Kings, Collectors and Convergences. Welcome to Marvel vs. Marvel, a podcast where a comic book fan and a movie fan rewatch the Marvel movies, compare and contrast them to the original comic books that inspired the films that have conquered Hollywood in the last several years. Hello and welcome to the latest episode. My name is Rob Holden. I'm a comic book fan of over 30-something years uh, it increases every day as my age ticks along and I get closer to the grave. Um, <laughs> I've been reading Marvel Comics uh, since before I could even read. How is that possible? Don't ask me. Uh, my parents taught me to read via Marvel comic books, so I've got clocked up a lot of miles on the uh, on the four-coloured page. And my co-host of this podcast, the man who joins me in re-watching these films and asks all the pertinent questions... It's Mr. Will Preston. Hello! I and just Will... love being called a man. I like it. I, I can get used to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the... You know what? It's the smallest title I can give you. Is a man, and here he is! <laughs> uh, now, Will, before we go any further, yes. I, I will feel no qualms in ending things right now if the format has been broken. Well, People who tune in every week, they tune in to hear the fact that it's a comic book fan and someone who's never read a comic book before, a Marvel comic book before. So please, let's not waste these people's time. We'll all go home if the format is over, right? Let's not waste anyone's time. Let us know right here, right now, up front, at the start, how many Marvel comics have you read? Uh, None. Absolutely none. Zero. Zero? We're talking zero. Ice and cold... It's getting harder though, isn't it? Because <laughs> we we keep having all these all these listeners say, "Hey Rob, you should tell them what comics to read." No, that'll end the show. And also, he's got a gaming PC. <laughs> no reading. We we are the exact opposites, right? Yeah. Lockdown began. Lockdown began. I looked at my PlayStation Four and I thought, finally, I'm going to get some use out of that. I'm here to tell you, Will, I have not touched my PlayStation 4 <laughs> since we began lockdown, but I have reread a hell of a lot of Marvel comics. Um, so that's it. That's the format of the show. In a nutshell, I'll be walking, uh, Will will be walking us through um, the movie of the episode, and um, he'll be asking me all sorts of questions, and I'll be walking him through the wonderful, glorious history and trivia of the Marvel Universe. And the character, the episode, and the history before us in today's episode is Thor, as we tackle the Dark World. Oh yes! And uh, we're really excited about this one. We we've just we're just it's a journey that doesn't stop, and it just keeps getting better and better. The downloads keep rolling in. There's so many people loving what we're doing and getting in touch with us. It's it it feeds the soul, um, (laughs) and keeps us keeps us on the right track on the journey. We had a little, we had a little detour that was lots of fun, but now we're we're back in the middle of phase, well, not the middle, at the start of phase two of the MCU, um, and that's a really important phase. The well, we're starting to uncover more and more of the importances, and this one really steps things up in in the old Infinity Saga, and uh, brings us a little bit closer, and really kind of. I think starts us down the path of the cosmic aspects 
of um, of where we're going with the Infinity Saga. So that's really cool. Yeah. Now, what we like to do at the top of every episode is go into the mind of a muggle. <laughs> and we, we like to quiz and chat to Will and see what his his average Joe brain makes of the character in front of him. And it's really fun to see, has a muggle you know, a UK muggle ever heard of Captain America before? Has he ever heard of Iron Man before? What did he know about the Hulk before that movie came out? Well, it's a little bit different when we get to the sequels, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 because uh, yeah, we would covered most of it by then. <laughs> so, what I want to know in your mind now, because I I come to mm. all these movies with a very rigid, clearly defined idea of the character. Yeah. Sequel or first time out, I, I've got that picture built in my mind. It's not based on two hours that from a, from a, from last year. It's based on you know thirty odd years of, of of reading about the character or sixty years of the history or whatever you want to call it. So I, I kind of wanted to find out now as we approach the second Thor film, what did what did you what opinion did you have? What do you think after the first? Thor movie and the Avengers because that was a, a big spotlight for Thor as well. How did you view him before this film came out? Uh, I saw him. Uh, well, I don't think my opinion really changed much. He, he's basically Marvel's answer to Lord of the Rings to me when I watched the first film. It was like <laughs> we need someone with long flowing hair who beats up goblins <laughs> or whatever, or giants or or demons and stuff. And it's just like, yep. Yeah, that's Thor. But I think my opinion of him was pretty much the same between the two films. Well, he got a little. He got the chance to be funny in Avengers, which he was not. That Kenneth Branagh first outing. There's Kenny a little B. bit of humour in it. Kenny B. Good old Sir Kenny B. Um, <laughs> but I think I think he got he got some of the uh, bigger laugh moments in the in the Avengers film. I think he did. I think I think. That was down to Josh Whedon doing doing what what he does doing what he does with his wizardry. Uh, it, he just because I think it was more about him gelling with other superheroes. Because when he's talking and gel, trying to gel with the normal people and people in the film, he's like, "Ah, I'm the hero now. I'll do. I'll be the hero. I'll be all po faced and whatnot." But when he's with other yeah. superheroes, there's this kind of energy of, "Oh, I'm not head honcho." I better muck in with the lads. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I gotta do what this uh, what this weird old man from the forties is telling me. Um, <laughs> with his weird attitudes. <laughs> well it's it, it we, we we you know, in the first Thor episode of this podcast we, we took a look at the publication history of the character, how it was created and came about. The really weird story of Dr. Donald Blake, who yes. finds the stick in the cave and fights the stone aliens. <laughs> and that's not, we haven't got time to go into that. We're going to reference Donald Blake an awful lot. You should go and check out that Thor episode. It's one of our, it's the first one I think we really nailed. Yeah. The first, the first really great episode I think that we, we put together. And there's some just wild and, and really wacky interest in, in history in that one. What I want to take the minute to do now before we, we, we press play and let Will take us through the dark Ooh, world. Yes. Ooh, yes. misses. Does sound like a really <laughs> weird subreddit. <laughs> Will takes us through the dark world. Yeah. Well, I want to take a minute to take a look at the, the, the modern publication history of Thor. 
like like we saw with the Iron Man, uh, the Iron Man three episode um, that we that we just finished. Most of Thor's best and most memorable stories occur in, in the seventies and and eighties. Um, there's a, an awful lot more mythology is introduced to the character. Mm. Um, Asgard constantly teetering on the brink of collapse. There's this thing called Ragnarok, which is the twilight of the gods and threatens to wipe them all out. And it's really epic and it's really operatic. And uh, and those and that the, the 80s with with a guy called Walt um, Simonson who starts writing the character introduce. Uh, all the popular characters, Beta Ray Bill, um, Malekith, Curse, they they all come from, from this incredible run in, in the 80s. And then, Will, this is going to become <laughs> something we're going to see an awful lot of in this podcast. Here come the 90s. <laughs> Things oh, get no. a little bit wobbly. <laughs> um, Marvel in the 90s decide that Thor is unrelatable, right? And yep. Marvel are getting blown away by a lot of uh, other other comics and their, and their sales are, are dwindling, and they think that Thor just kids, kids, teenagers who were massively on the rise again as a buying force in the nineties. We saw that originally in the sixties, which is how Marvel began. In the nineties, they are the they are the eighteen to thirty four demographic is what you want to grab, and and Thor is seen as a I don't know a really weird old Shakespeare character. So they really want to make him feel relatable again. Not necessarily to kids, but down to earth. So they decide they've got to kind of get rid of Thor and bring back a secret identity again, like they did in the 60s. So, yeah, they, they Thor gets merged in the 90s with an architect called Eric Masterson, who's... Uh, Kind of like a down on his luck single dad, and 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 you know he gets the power to trans. They Thor kind of um, lives inside his mind, becomes very much like the old Shazam Captain Marvel, mm. where one character can turn into the other one and gain the powers. And then in 1991, they get rid of Thor. He gets banished, um, and Eric Masterson is given not just all the powers of Thor, but he he becomes Thor. He gets the name Thor. He has to wear a little mask because he doesn't quite look like Thor. Um, but he's got the red cape and he's got Mjolnir. He's worthy of carrying the hammer. He joins the Avengers. <laughs> Thor's gone. And it's Eric Masterson as Thor that fights Thanos during the Infinity Gauntlet saga. Which inspired a hell of a lot of what we see in these movies. That doesn't last forever. Thor mm. returns to be Thor. And and they kind of don't get rid of Eric. They 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 he becomes a new Thunder God like hero called Thunderstrike. And instead of a hammer, he has a magic mace. Oh like great. you know, not not like the spray, like the thing <laughs> you hit people with. Yeah. Magic mace and his um, magic. Like handbag. the rest of Mob <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what it would be. Like we said in the Iron Man three episode, most of Marvel's main heroes kind of get shunted off to the Heroes Reborn universe for a little bit. And then when he comes back, Thor gets bonded and combined with another mortal, this time a, a paramedic called Jake Olsen, and they kind of do that all over again. Um, in the early 2000s, Thor rules over Asgard as the king mm. and then decides he's having a lot of problems with Earth, so he really should just rule over Earth as well. And and Thor becomes a tyrant, Ooh. like a despot. 
Yeah, he, he marries his former enemy, the Enchantress. He has a, a child with her. Uh, he, he kills and imprisons anyone that stands in his way. It all becomes very totalitarian. And you keep waiting for the moment that it's revealed that, ah, Loki has replaced Thor. Nope. <laughs> nope, it's definitely Thor. Um, and eventually, he feels very, very guilty about all the things he's done. So he travels back in time and stops it from happening. But it's still... You, it, you still did it, mate. <laughs> like, you're, you're gonna you still be a, definitely did all those things. You're going to do it again. It's in your nature. That's that's a bit of a weird deus ex machina. Oh, he solved it by going back in time to prevent it from happening. Well, it's introduced, it's introduced quite early on in the story because Thor has a classic villain called Zarko the Tomorrow Man from the 60s. I thought you who, said um, Zarko like... the Tomato Man for a sec. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, he, he's a lot like Kang the Conqueror in that his big thing is he's uh, a guy from the future mm. who travels back in time. And, and you know, a lot like, um, what, is that, what is that old thing, uh, uh, um, a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court? Oh yeah, you know, the yeah. dude goes back in time and he's like, "Here is a lighter. I am a wizard." <laughs> you know, so that's kind of what Zarko is. He comes back with stuff that's every day in the future, but to us, we're like, "Oh no, anti gravity." <laughs> then there's a, there's a super weird period where Marvel decide they have to get rid of Thor for about a year or so because Marvel know that they're, they're going to have this mega superhero civil war event, mm. which will pit superheroes against each other in two sides one side with Iron Man one side with Captain America and they rightfully grasp early on that that will be really tricky if Hulk and Thor are still knocking around because they're a bit too powerful to be part of this they'll really sway the tide one way or the other so Hulk gets removed from Earth and shot off into space and he gets his own <laughs> very bad time on uh, in, a, in a story called Planet Hulk and Thor just kind of literally gets put into hibernation. Like like a hedgehog on Blue Peter. They're just <laughs> wrapping... I don't know what the equivalent is for our American audiences. I have no idea, but it's a good reference. I'm sticking with it. They wrap him <laughs> in a cardboard box and they put him away in hibernation for the whole Civil War event. And then when he wakes up and comes back, <coughs> Thor finds that Asgard is gone from the heavens... Um, all the other Asgardians are sleeping, and they're kind of Asgardians become almost like hobos from this point on. This is a big reset for for Asgard. They don't have the proper one anymore. Mm. Thor rebuilds Asgard as a city that floats over the desert in Oklahoma, and then it moves. It becomes part of Doctor Doom's country, Latveria, and then it's. Um, in, on the moon, and then it's in in Brooklyn. It's very <laughs> odd. And also during this period of time, uh, what's really interesting is Thor hates Tony Stark with a passion. He hates what? him for the Civil War. Oh, hates him for his part in what happened to Steve Rogers at the end of that, which we'll get to. <laughs> and mainly hates him for creating a murderous clone of Thor. Like, because what happened is Tony Stark went, ah, you know what would be really good during the Civil War? Thor, shame we haven't got him. Although I have got some hair samples I stole from him in the early days of the Avengers. 
I'll just create a clone. Um, <laughs> and that clone goes mad and starts killing people. And Marvel decided that the name of that clone was Ragnarok, but all the Marvel fans decided, no, a clone of Thor is definitely called Claw. <laughs> he's he's a clone of Thor, he's Claw. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of the very odd modern history of the character. Yeah. It sort of brings yeah. us just about up into where the, the MCU begins. There's more. There's more. There's a lot more to come, and we've got a lot more of that to delve into in this as we start to pull apart certain characters that have very exciting things that happen in, in the modern stories. So I'm really excited to um, to get over to that. But what we want to do now is take the time to recognise the fans who just keep getting in touch and letting us know what they feel about this podcast and about their Marvel experience, because that's the one thing that we love hearing about, isn't it, Will? Oh, naturally, naturally. We, we, we love reaching out, and we love hearing what your first experience of the Marvel characters was. Was it comic books? That's really cool. Let us know. Or was it something else? You know, because we all experience... That's what, these, that's what this podcast is all about. How many millions and millions of new fans there are throughout the world experiencing these characters for the first time because of the movies and that's fantastic and back in the day we didn't have the movies but there were things like video games you've talked about oh, yeah. um, a, a, a character in tony hawk <laughs> being was it spider-man so it was in, it was uh, spider-man and iron man and wolverine were indeed in some of the tony hawk's games that's just amazing, incredible. And there's a lot of these things, the arcade game, you know, that my, my friends, when I was a kid, would play the Avengers arcade game and they'd have no idea who these characters are because they didn't read comic books. So that's really, really interesting. And I've, Will, I'm sure you've got uh, some wonderful telegrams that have been uh, tapped away on and sent in. Yes, a man in a, 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 man in a nice blue uniform came along and went, Telegram! And I uh, tipped him <laughs> two bits, because it's 1910. Two bits? Two. Oh, you're blipping out. You break the bank there, mate. Breaking the bank? Oh, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a fortune in 1910, or wherever this pretend scenario is. Anyway, the telegrams from the fans, the telefans. Peter J. Reese shares his memory of first encountering Marvel characters. I first saw Marvel characters through toys and crisps, I think. I clearly remember learning about Captain America after I'd seen him on a crisp packet. I'm old enough to remember the Hulk and Spider-Man TV series. They were the big Marvel heavyweights when I was growing up, while Superman was the big film franchise and the 60s Batman TV series kept running in repeats. Oh, God, there's a lot going on there. We we've had that crisp thing mentioned before. Yeah, I remember. I remember specifically crisp. with Spider Man. Yeah, yeah, and I remember it as well. I remember. I can remember. Yeah, that they were, and I remember the um, the uh, candy cigarettes. Do you remember? Oh that? yeah, I had candy some... candy cigarettes were huge. Yeah. yeah, and and they always had. I mean, there was a dozens and dozens of different cartoony type characters on there. I of course always go. I didn't even like them. But I would always it, it's, if it had a picture of a suit of a Marvel character on, <laughs> I was I was getting my mum to buy it for me, and then bubblegum as well. As the years went by, there was some really cool bubblegum that would have like one sticker or card in it. I think when I was that age and buying that stuff, I used to get uh, Sonic the Hedgehog candy sticks. 
I think if anything had Sonic the Hedgehog on, then I'd run at it. Which is apt, considering yeah. what the game's about. You run at things. <laughs> that was that was my drug. Anyway, we got another uh, another letter here from Harun. He gets in touch to talk about his childhood with Marvel. I was in Northwick Park Hospital in Harrow with asthma in the summer of 1979 when I was 12 years old. The children's ward stock of books included a 1974 British Marvel annual. It had Spider-Man on the cover and included the origin story of my favourite Marvel character, Daredevil. When I was discharged from the hospital, I stole the annual. Have you learned yes, nothing you from? Did. Have you learned nothing from these fighters of justice and truth and peace? <laughs> yes, this is inspiring. I shall commit petty larceny. <laughs> no, yeah, but it was inspiring. He was inspired by the story of the kingpin, <laughs> and, and he yeah. decided. You know, he knows. Well, he knows what wisdom physics about. Uh, before we get angry letters, I'm well aware that Wilson Fisk does not feature in the origin of Daredevil. It, sometimes, for the sake of a gag, I have to sacrifice Marvel continuity. I'm very sorry, everyone. <laughs> what else have you got, Will? <laughs> After you've finished apologising, Rachel Lyons has a really unique Marvel memory. My dad is a comic book illustrator, so it was just what he did in his studio every day. He'd make copies for me of the pencils he'd done before inking them up. I'd sit beside him with a black fine liner and ink at the same time as him. As a confident six-year-old, I honestly thought mine were as good as his, and I'd beg him to send (laughs) my copy instead of his. I sneak into his studio when he wasn't there and try to add to the pages he was working on. I was desperate to see a comic in print and to think, I did that squiggle. That's lovely. (laughs) That's It's really is great, isn't it? Yeah, that's really nice. And I believe that her her dad... um, was an artist for some of the original Transformer comics. Oh, no way. No. Um, I'm not 100% on that. I've been meaning to get in touch with Rachel and try to ask a little bit more. Um, but that's just... Fan letters keep us going, don't they, Will? Yeah. We, 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 listeners, fans, they all keep us going. We need, we need you guys. I'll tell you what... I'll tell you what really keeps us going, though, Will. Patreon really, really <laughs> keeps us going. Oh, it really, That's really what, does. That's um, what keeps the lights on around here. Patreon is a way that you guys can um, support us, that you can throw us a little bit of money, a bit of a tip, and that allows us to keep going. You can head over to Patreon, you can create a little account if you've not got one already, and you can sign up to pledge a little bit of money just to tip us, just to get us through. And, and more importantly that, it's showing us the love. It's, hmm. We like the downloads. We like the fan letters. I tell you what, we prefer more. It's the pledges because <laughs> that's really when you show that you love uh, you love a product is when you're consuming it and you're paying out for it. Yeah, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. Ten episodes in the archive. Fifteen hours of lockdown entertainment in the archive. We've been with you throughout this. We really have the last two months of this, knocking them out one a week. You've got to show your love. Head to Patreon, sign up, and pledge your love. And we suggest a $3 a three pound pledge, right? That's the minimum. That shows your love. Here comes Rob B. He joined up this week, Will. He joined up this week, Rob B. Here comes Rob B. Is he pledging £3? No, he's pledging 5 
He's pledging five. Straight in there with a five-pound pledge. We didn't ask for a five-pound pledge. We suggested three. You can make it what you want. And Rob B didn't come to play. He's showing. He's here to show his love for ten episodes. He's here to show his love for 15 hours. you got to love that. Man, what a boost. What a boost that gave us when that came in, Will, right? Yep, I absolutely, uh, absolutely loved that. That, that. that made my that made my evening. That made my week. I, I, I absolutely, uh, I, I, I just, I just didn't realise that that people would be so generous. But here they are, and here he is. Rob is an extremely generous person. Also, I love that you almost turned into Matthew McConaughey from The Wolf of Wall Street, going, "You got to pump those numbers up. <laughs> those are rookie numbers." <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah, rookie yeah, yeah. numbers. Rookie numbers, going to pop them up. <laughs> it's just fantastic. It yeah. helps. Listen, yeah. it's not free to make a podcast like this. Oh, you know, no. Aside oh, from no. the hours and hours that we put in, it, there are actual financial costs. Um, so when we say keep the lights on, we mean things like the hosting fees. We mean things like the storage fees for all the actual you know, hours of, of, the, uh, of the content that's knocking around out there and all the other incidental costs of getting all this equipment together and, and, and getting the Wi-Fi and all that sort of stuff. So it's just fantastic to keep us going with all of that. And everyone, if you're not going to pledge, head on to Patreon, head over to Patreon anyway, because every week we upload it with free blogs that any one of you wonderful people can read. They contain loads of uh, additional history, trivia, images that we talk about. And, and if you do pledge, then you can get access to not just the blogs, but also bonus episodes that we only record and release for the listeners that love us the most. So we thank you all for that. And I think with that, Will, we've taken care of a little bit of business and housekeeping. Oh, we have. We have. And I think it's think it's time for you to, uh, you know, kick things off. What lays before us on the docket today well, is w- Thor The Dark World. Indeed. Let's put the videotape in and press play. In the distant past, a cosmic event known as the Convergence occurs, opening portals between the Nine Realms. A sinister race called the Dark Elves attempts to use the Convergence as a way of unleashing the Aether, a force of destruction with the capability of destroying the entire galaxy. The leader of the Dark Elves... The leader of the Dark Elves, Malaketh, nearly succeeds in using the Aether to cause the instantaneous destruction of the Nine Realms. Malaketh is opposed by Bor, king of Asgard and father of Odin, who uses the Bifrost to rip the Aether from Malaketh's grasp. Driven back to their homeworld, Svartaheim, is that, is that correct? Have I got that right? Svatelheim, yeah. Svatelheim, Svatelheim, I think. Yeah. Svatelheim. 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 Sounds like uh, you sneezed and a German has told you. God bless you. Sorry, that's Gesundheit. Svatelheim. It becomes apparent that the Dark Elves cannot defeat the Asgardians and are all but wiped out in the battle. So, already we're dealing with Dark Elves. Okay. The previous Thor film felt very Tolkien-esque at times, and now they're going, let's go full D&D. Let's bring in Dark Elves. <laughs> let's have a 12-sided yeah. guy. 
It really is, but like we said, yeah. like we said in the first Thor film, it's kind of hard to. I mean, in the post Lord of the Rings movie kind of world, it's very easy to look at it and say, "Oh, they went. Ah, oh, we'll just we'll just take from that popular film franchise." But the Dark Elves are kicking around like seventies and eighties with with these comic stories, and they're there in the original myths as well. So. It's hard to, I, you know, Tolkien obviously drew from lots of different sources when he was writing. I'm not saying that Thor inspired <laughs> Lord of the Rings, but I think mythology is mythology, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, mythology is mythology, but Dark Elm to me is something I just go, yeah, this is this is Dungeons and Dragons and whatnot. So, Boar, he's a character, never heard of him before. He, he kicks a major ass here, man. So what can you tell us about Thor's dear old granddad? He's, he's an odd one. Um, so <laughs> in the 60s, the, the only Boar references are when Jack Kirby is adapting classic North, Norse mythology into short tales of Asgard stories. Hmm. Uh, Boar, father of, of Odin. He, so it's not like he's a character in the ongoing Thor stories. However, in more modern comics do tell the story of, of how Boar was turned into snow by a powerful sorcerer. <laughs> um, this is how he kind of, basically how he lost his throne. Okay. So one day Boar is turned into snow um, and he's cut, he starts to like drift away in the wind. And, and Odin is beset by his father's spirit, begging him to find a way to save him, to turn mm. him back. But Odin never does. He just takes the throne and cracks on with his own life. I'm the king of Asgard now. <laughs> and he's played by Bor's spirit. And, and after a while, Bor's spirit accepts that Odin will never save him. But instead, begs Odin to kind of make things right and, and make a pact and agree to make things right by taking in the son of a fallen king and raising it as his own. And Odin agrees to that because he does feel some guilt. So he agrees to do that. And the very next day, he, on the battlefield, sees the baby of a frost giant, the frost giant king, and takes Loki in as his son. However, can you guess who the sorcerer turned out to be? The sorcerer that turns Boar into snow. Okay, I really want to say Loki, but that can't be... Yeah, 100% no. it's Loki. It's a time-travelling Loki. <laughs> I'm going to mess with my Time-travelling Loki. <laughs> so Loki travels back in time, becomes a sorcerer, turns his own grandfather into snow. The spirit of Boar torturing Odin and, for, and kind of getting him to make that deal. Can you guess who the spirit of Boar really is? Is it, is it Loki again? It's Loki again! Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> the I... entire thing... No. The entire thing was Loki's plan. So, adult Loki in the present day, yeah. he uses his magics and his enchantments to kind of go back in time to transform his his grandfather sort of into snow, to manipulate Odin and manipulate events to ensure that as a baby, he is adopted by the court of Asgard and put into a very powerful position. Um, <laughs> and and Loki's, Loki's not done using his granddaddy uh, during the events of Dark Reign um, Loki 
undoes the snow spell, returns Boar to flesh, but warps his perception and kind of drives him mad with rage. A Boar sets off killing and destroying New York. Thor arrives and has this huge battle with Boar, who Ooh. Thor has never, ever met before. You know, he doesn't know it's his granddad. And Thor ends up killing Boar, and Thor Loki arrives Boar. just in time... Just in time to remind um, the Baldor, who is in charge of Asgard, that technically... First of all, Loki's like, well, my hands are clean of this. I have no idea what's going on. But (laughs) FYI, I do think it's worth remembering that technically, Bor is still king of Asgard. And technically, that means Thor is committed regicide. (laughs) And technically, I think that means he has to be... Has to be banished from Asgard for life. Oh my god! Didn't realise that was going to happen. So he manipulates all these events by via Boar. Real, real prime Loki work there. That's really weaselly. <laughs> I'm going to let loose Granddad on the city that never but sleeps. To a hell of a lot. A hell of a hell of a step up from what we were seeing in the in the in the first Thor. You know, when we talked about the origins of Loki in the 60s, where he was a very pathetic character, you know, this is some real prime manipulation. To manipulate your own timeline to make sure you exist. Oh, that's some good work. That's that's like the reverse of Back, that's like back to the Future almost, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's a, it's, yeah. It's very similar to Reverse Flash in DC Comics as well. Oh god! I I I feel I need to check out the Flash because I just had pegged him down as a two-dimensional hero, and then everyone's telling me like, "Oh, but there's the Reverse Flash, and there's all this weird stuff to do with time travel." And I'm like, "What? I should check that out." Or yeah, not. a lot of fun. Okay, cool. So that's Boar. That's that's that is a weird name. That's a very <laughs> that's a very okay. Swedish name. Boar. Well, yeah, I mean, these are Norse. These are Norse characters, mate. <laughs> is, is he actually based on a, on the real Norse character, Bor? Oh yeah, no, Bor is Bor is in 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 Norse legend. Bor is genuinely Odin is Odin Borson, the son of Bor. Yeah. Thor is Thor Odin's son. It's all they, these are these are all um, yeah from from the actual myths. I'm really glad that instead of paying attention to science, uh, Stan Lee paid attention to Norse mythology. <laughs> If only he spent this amount of detail on actual science. I don't know what you're talking about. I- Iron Man's uh, Iron Man's powerful magnets and transistors—they're a oh. thing of beauty. Oh, and yeah, kids are fine to stand next to a nuclear reactor with spiders in. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the movie. The Asgardians are unable to put themselves into suspended... Sorry. The the Asgardians are unable to destroy the ether, so they seal it away in a place it can never be found. Malekith and his men put themselves into suspended animation, vowing to one day to return and finish their plan. Sometime after the Chitauri invasion, Loki is brought before Odin in shackles. Odin gives Loki a life sentence in prison for his crimes against humanity. Elsewhere, the Bifrost has been repaired and Thor, Sif and the Warriors Three fight off invading marauders who have been terrorising the Nine Realms. Thor visits Heimdall daily. 
asking every time for he- he- sorry, is it Heimdall or Himdale? Heimdall, I think. Heimdall. Yeah. So he visits Heimdall daily, asking Heimdall. every Heimdall, asking every time for Heimdall to turn his vision on Jane Foster to see if she's okay. Odin clearly does creep. not approve. <laughs> creep, 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 creepy, creep, 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 creep. I am, I am Thor, son of Odin. I have snuck a webcam in the shower. <laughs> they Odin. haven't been going out for two years, right? Yeah. If you listen, when you break up with a girl, you're meant to delete those photos you've got, right? That's that's yeah. kind of the unwritten rule of being a decent human being. Yep. Two years later, accessing the webcam, not cool. Not cool. Not cool. Odin clearly does not approve of Thor's affection for a mortal. Right. So, in this bit, uh, they he, he has a little battle, doesn't he, against these marauders. And they have guns and rocket launchers. Which I felt... this, and, and then they're all there with bows and arrows and swords. And it felt like I was watching play someone play Skyrim, but they had cheats on. So people had RPGs firing everywhere. <laughs> that's what it felt like <laughs> does i'm laughing like i know what skyrim is because i'm just gonna go with it, <laughs> it skyrim is a fantasy game uh it's it, the the last place right. you'd find what ak-47 it, what it is, is i know what it is it's it's golden eye yeah but fantasy golden eye that's all you need to say to me fantasy? just relate on my level that's it's golden eye right in it it's a multiplayer shooting up game but with swords and stuff it's fantasy golden eye that's all it is crack on <laughs> I I I, th- I think you found you found a very weird but accurate take on Skyrim. Skyrim, that's just Goldeneye I, with wizards. <laughs> I can only relate to like nine games. One of them is Burnout, <laughs> and uh, any racing game. This is Burnout. It's, it's Burnout with wheels. That's all it is, mate. This is Burnout. Anyway, that's how it felt. This Marauder it's Mario suit. Kart without shells. <laughs> Mario Kart, but you are the shell. Crash into traffic. Um, so you've t- you've told us Loki does some. I mean, especially with the what he did with his granddad. Uh, some very <laughs> horrible stuff and very petty, very weaselly little stuff in the comics. Uh, does he ever get punished like this? Because I like to think he does. Well, yeah, quite a lot actually. In in the less sophisticated stories of the sixties, he's always being locked up and 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 chained to giant rocks and boulders and <laughs> mountains. And in the same way, in the sixties, the Joker is always being sent to prison, like every issue, only to escape again the next month. It's just just how how those kind of episodic stories progressed and went. Asgard has quite staunch rules. Loki is a prince of Asgard. He is royalty. Yeah. It is... I mean, aside from having rules against kind of gods killing gods outside of wartime, he, he, there are... And this comes up a hell of a lot during the, during the comics. There are these inescapable rules that tie... Royal rules that tie their hands together. And it's like... It would be the best thing if this happened, but we can't because that guy's the king or he's the prince or we just cannot let you shag the woman you love because she's not royalty. Um, <laughs> it's there's an awful lot of that which comes up, which is which is kind of really interesting and and and, and makes the the world quite intriguing. Mm. They seem to always favour imprisonment 
and banishment in 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 the Thor stories in Asgard. Uh, death and execution is not really something they 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 can do or they choose to do. But imprisonments don't really work on Loki. He, he is his magic can be very subtle, and and he illusions and enchantments can still take effect even when he's in one place. You know the entire reason the Avengers are formed in the comic books is because Loki was imprisoned and couldn't do anything on Asgard, so he used his powers of illusions to like mess with Thor on Earth. So it does come up a lot him being you know in in timeout slash prison. Yeah. That, that that makes sense. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised by that. He doesn't look... Uh, looking at him, he doesn't look like he'd last long in prison. That's what I'd say. Not not real prison, no. Not not, not real prison. Not, no, we're, talk, we're talking uh, wizard space prison or whatever they have in Asgard. <laughs> he well, looks... you know, we said this during the Avengers episode. Like, he's, he's the big man on Earth because mm. he's head and shoulders above any mortal. It, it, you know, he's like... He'd do fine in a Midgard prison... Uh, because he'd he'd be you know unkillable, but yeah, Asgardian prison, yeah, yeah, I, I know. But at the same time, when it's Tom Hiddleston playing him all prettily, I look at him and go, no, mate, in prison you'd be currency, <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be traded for cigarettes. <laughs> oh, that's dark. Oh, oh s- William, that is dark. Listen, come on, mate, it's not even past the watershed. <laughs> well, oh. this is Thor. Dark world drops microphone. Whoa. Picks microphone up again because <laughs> he needs that for the rest of the podcast. Anyway, <laughs> pressing play again. On Earth, Jane is on a date in London, which is quickly interrupted by Darcy, who explains that Foster's scientific equipment has been picking up strange signals. Signals that have not been detected since the Asgardian events that took place in New Mexico two years ago. Chasing after the stranger readings, they find that a number of portals have opened up which link the Earth to the other nine realms. Jane is swallowed up by a portal and transported to a dark chasm on another world. Finding a sinister-looking vault, Jane is infested by the powerful ether. So quite a, quite a fair bit happens there. Also, Roy from the IT crowd, Chris O'Dowd, plays... <laughs> Yeah, he plays the date. I think that that that's the part that excited me most in the film. It's like it's Roy from the IT crowd <laughs> in a major Hollywood film. He does quite a lot, doesn't he? Around yeah. this time, he, he starts cropping up in a bunch of things, bridesmaids, and um, there's the other one. I think Neighborhood Watch or The Watch or something like that. He's uh, he's in quite a few of them, and it's um, good to see. And he always has a panicky way of speaking. Sorry, that's a terrible Chris O'Dowd. Yeah, is that your Irish accent? That was a. Now, uh, luckily for you, we ain't we ain't got we ain't got many fans in Ireland, so I think that one will skip past. But uh, I, I think I was focusing too much on his on his on his uh, high pitched tone than I was on the accent. But I will. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I will rescind the terrible impression. Also, there was a Stonehenge mm-hmm. scene with nude Doctor Selvig, which I found very. What I loved about that, <laughs> yes, because he lost, he's, he's gone off his nut, hasn't he? He's gone off his nut again. What I loved about that was it was ITV News reporting. They didn't go CNN, BBC. They went ITV News, which uh-huh. gave it the best feeling of authenticity I've ever seen in a Hollywood film. Whenever Britain comes up, it's like, oh, it's ITV. Yeah, oh. 
I was some some dirty deal with Murdoch instead of uh, instead. Of, I would have preferred Channel Four or the BBC, but there you go. What can you do? I I I know. Oh, I didn't know ITV was under uh, News Corp. I mean, it wouldn't surprise uh, yeah, me. Yeah, IT, ITN. ITN, right? Because yeah. I, 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 I am an ex-employee of News Corp. I spent six. I spent uh, uh, four. I know it felt dirty signing that contract, but I needed the money desperately at the time. I, I've been published by Rupert Murdoch's uh, empire against my will. Oh wow! And not paid for it. Oh yeah. God, that's I went viral worse. with a blog once. I went viral with a blog. And it got uh, picked up and published in, you know, the Sun, the the Times, wow, uh, all the big ones, and no one paid me for it. Yeah, wow. Anyway, enough it, of that. Anyway, enough about bitterness in the past. Uh, oh, I like this <laughs> bit. That I liked. I like this bit uh, when they're playing around with the. Uh, the st- basically, that was it. The uh, the portals that keep appearing, and they do it a bit with the bottle. Yeah. I kind of like that, but I, I was I was a bit annoyed because they make it go several through several loops of the portal before catching it, and I'm like, that would hurt. I've played Portal. I know how physics work. <laughs> I know that. The, that well, the velocity. obviously, it's different. To, well, when when did that Portal game come out? Uh, that came, oh, that came out way before. I would say 2006, maybe 2007. It came. It, okay. It came. It came out a fair bit before this. Yeah. All I could. All I could think was is, is portal because that's exactly what happens in it. You've got to use the uh, portals for manipulation of physics. But anyway, I, I I I did like that. Also, I like the youths. The youths. They look very London. I went, They've done their research in this film. They yeah, look total. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very London youths. But yeah. It's uh, so it made me realise so far in the film that uh, the humour isn't the same as the humour in other Marvel films. It, though, did you notice this? Did nope. You? Oh. Yep. Oh, you did notice it. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it's odd, isn't it? Yeah, I, I felt they could have made, done things funnier. Like they, you could tell it was attempted, but it was like, ah, oh, maybe I'm spoiled because of Guardians of the Galaxy. But I was just hoping for a bit more of a nod and a wink. But even if you compare it to the humour of Iron Man, like things that have already happened, the mm. humour of Iron Man, Avengers, yeah. even the kind of humour from the first Thor film, it's a bit different. Oh, um, t- totally. I mean, there are funny Yost bits. is one of the writers, and, and Yost mm. is... Um, Christopher Yost, as well as writing this, he, he, he's also, he also wrote Ragnarok as well, was part of the writing team on Ragnarok, so... Um, there, there's continuity there. He he also uh, was part of writing what I think is the best Marvel animated series of all time. Well, I mean, I say that <laughs> uh, the X Men one, but but um, there's 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 a uh, Earth's My- Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes is really really strong. It comes out um, 2010, so just. As the MCU is starting, and before the Avengers come together in the um, in the movies, and does some really wonderful stuff. It's it's a really great, really great animated. It's only got two seasons, but they do everything, and they cap the whole thing off with um, uh, like uh, the, the Skrulls arrive and. Serta decides to destroy uh, Asgard, and the Guardians of the Galaxy arrive here before they ever do uh, in the um, in the movies, <laughs> and uh, it ends with Galactus. It's a really, really cool, um, yeah. That does sound cool. Really cool animated show. 
Oh, that does sound really cool. I'll have to check that one out. So, cosmic stuff happening here. Big cosmic stuff in just that last section. Is there anything we should know about the ether? Well, <clears throat> we know at this point... Well, we, don't, we know now that, that these objects of power, like the Tesseract, are the Infinity Stones mm. in the MCU, aren't they? Yeah. In the the Infinity Gems in the comic books, Infinity Stones in the in the movies, the Ether seems to be the Asgardian name for the Reality Gem. <laughs> in the comic books, that that has no history uh, as being called the Ether. It's got no real connection to Bor or Asgard. Um, it's one of the um, one of the Infinity Gems. It has a weird, convoluted cosmic history. Thanos used the reality gem specifically to do some really uh, odd things. He shrank the Hulk so he was no longer a threat. He turned Wolverine's adamantium into rubber Ooh. so he has rubber bones and isn't a threat. He he also incapacitated a bunch a couple of heroes with mold. He grew this really fast-growing <laughs> mold all over him. It just like consumed them. It was really really bizarre. Yeah. Um after after the initial Infinity Gauntlet comic book event, the reality gems were split up and entrusted to um, various different people for safekeeping. And the reality gem initially and bizarrely was entrusted to Thanos to uh, keep the universe safe. Um, and then later on, Black Bolt, the king of the Inhumans, was its keeper. And after that, more recently, Captain Marvel has been entrusted with the reality gem. One of the very, very powerful ones of the very, very powerful gems. I have to, I have to say, though, like looking at the Infinity Stones, it seems like the reality stone, gem, sorry, is the one that seems significantly more powerful. I know they have the Power Stone or whatever, I think, is one of them. The Power Gel. It's, the reality one seems to be really good. Well, I mean, reality encompasses everything, doesn't it? Reality yeah. encompasses the soul and the mind and uh, the time. And mm. I don't really know. And space. Reality is everything. Yeah. They're all very, they're all, they're all vague. All cosmic stuff is vague. Like, how much mastery over reality do you have? You know? Yeah, yeah, I guess. It seems the reality gem is generally seems to be used kind of like almost like alchemy it like transmutes things it can you know so it can for instance turn adamantium into rubber yeah it can grow mold from nowhere and uh, i mean it i don't know if reality is a good word for it the physics gem might be a better term for it <laughs> yeah there's um there's a dc character called firestorm Mm. who can do pretty much everything that it seems like the reality gem can do. And his ability is to transmute matter into different matter. Um, so, yeah. Wow. Okay. So that's the... Uh, technically, that's the reality stone we've covered there. So back to the action. After passing out, Jane wakes up back on Earth five hours later and is almost arrested by the police for trespassing. As a policeman tries to arrest Jane, the power of the ether physically forces him away. Suddenly, Thor arrives on the scene looking for Jane, panicked by Himdale watching her disappear through the portal. 
Creep. <laughs> initially, <laughs> over, initially overjoyed to see him, Jane slaps Thor in the face for taking two years to visit her. Thor takes her to Asgard to investigate the nature of the ether that has invested her. So, infe- is it infested her? Would you say? Yes, is I it, would. The, yes. Yeah, infest. I uh, now this this is another chance to talk about the location. I think. Old Royal Navy College London, great location to do this at, very picturesque, works well for a Marvel scene. Uh, and I used to live right near it, on the Isle of Dogs, well, I say right near it, across the river, and I've cycled there for a few, time, few times, lovely, lovely area. It's great to see that. Also, five out, no, t- ten out of ten for realism, uh, the British police... Requesting an armed response officers the moment Thor turns up or something. I thought <laughs> American audiences must have laughed at that. I guess it's, it is it is a it is a funny thing when, when you see officers in this country going, "Oh no, we need the ones with guns." It reminds me of an old bit on Futurama where they changed the past, so America is still under British rule, and then Fry's being chased by the policeman, and one of them goes, "Stop! Stop! We'll be forced to chase you since we're not allowed to carry guns." <laughs> There was. um, I love that one. There's a great uh, Charlie Brooker episode of. uh, I don't know if it was Screen White, but he went to America. Yeah, I've seen that one. After showing, after doing an episode all about like the the American TV show Cops, he showed an American audience our version. Yeah, (laughs) was no, it was it was the transport police. Just stand against the wall, please, sir. (laughs) Or the transport police. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just stand against the wall, please. Yeah, brilliant. I love that. Their reactions were they were totally spellbound. I love I love the differences. I love the differences. Anyway, let's get on to Jane. Jane has already developed some superpowers here. Does that ever happen in the comics? Oh yeah. So in the in the last Thor episode that we did, we covered the origins yeah. of Jane Foster, how she's Thor's early love interest, but then gets her mind wiped and leaves the comic books for, for decades and just isn't a factor um when thor and donald blake return to the world after this hibernation that we talked about at the top of the show jane foster hears about it and she moves to to um the area of oklahoma where asgard now is Hmm. and and she opens up a medical practice um with donald blake becomes part of thor's supporting cast and as part of that story, she develops breast cancer. Oh. Um, which is, yeah. And she she refuses any magical assistance with that. Um, because she's a nurse and she, because she's helped, you know, I, I spend a lot of time helping real people through through it in, in the world of the comic books. Yeah. It perhaps wouldn't feel right to suddenly use your contact with a god to say... You got any of that uh, <laughs> magic cancer spell? Just knock it out the system. <laughs> now, around because of of a battle with Gore, the God Butcher, Thor begins to doubt the very nature and purpose of gods, of Asgardians, of his people, and this doubt leads him to have a complete crisis of faith in himself and his purpose and his people. And that leads him to one day no longer be worthy of Mjolnir. Mm. He cannot lift it. Damn. He loses all its power. He becomes a broken and despondent god. 
and the Thor, the, the hammer, sorry, which is um, now unmovable on the moon, calls <laughs> out psychically to Jane, to Jane Foster. And after getting some help in getting up there, Jane Foster it lifts the hammer of Thor. She is worthy of Mjolnir, and she becomes the new Thor, goddess of thunder. Um, after seeing her in battle... A very angry, despondent, generally peeved off Thor finally kind of recognises that she is worthy, Mm. relinquishes his claim to Mjolnir, and he also relinquishes the name Thor to her. He doesn't know who she is. She wears a mask and her identity is hidden. But Thor stops calling himself that, calls himself Odin's son, and Jane becomes officially recognised as Thor, and she joins the Avengers. (laughs) But every time Jane transforms into Thor and uses this power, it's killing her. Oh! The transformation into a new powerful body purges all the chemotherapy from her body because they're toxins. So it's rescinding the, the chemotherapy she's having every time she becomes a hero. And her cancer gets worse every time she does it. So after a while, Doctor Strange diagnoses that if Jane becomes Thor one more time, it will kill her. Oof. The cancer will be unstoppable. Mm. And everyone in Asgard and the Avengers, they all convince Jane that she has to stop being Thor now. Put the hammer down, walk away. But then when the insanely powerful Mangog threatens to destroy all Asgardians, Jane picks the hammer up one more time, becomes Thor one more time, fights an epic battle saves the day but ultimately dies. Ooh. Um and it's yeah, it's really powerful. A, a grief-stricken Thor and Odin combine all the powers of Asgard and manage to bring Jane back from the dead. And um later on she she'd as a mortal she'd beat cancer and then just at the end of the um uh, War of Realms which we'll get to later on in this episode Mm. Jane finds herself transformed into a powerful Asgardian Valkyrie. <laughs> so she goes from being this odd Lois Lane character yeah. that is not needed in the Thor stories to not being a factor for decades to becoming one of the most important parts of the Thor mythology. Wow. Impressive. That's really impressive. I, I didn't expect anything like that to happen. I thought she'd just be continued to be yeah. the lowest lane type. Wow. The the rumour is that in the next Thor movie to be made, Love and Thunder, mm. we are going to see Jane Foster as the God of Thunder. Love and Thunder. Is there The is next there... Thor movie is Thor Love and Thunder, and apparently we're gonna to get to see Jane as Thor. Bloody hell. Okay, that's I I I'm kind of looking forward to that now because I know after Ragnarok they're gonna, I think they found their I think they found their mode. <laughs> we might disagree on that. <laughs> well, uh, it's an odd one. We'll talk. We'll get to talk about it more when we cover Ragnarok. I mean, you know, yeah, it's a different. It's certainly a very different step for the character. Mm. Oh, definitely. But anyway, onto this film. The movie continues. In Asgard, the doctors don't know what is wrong with Jane. They find the ether inside her body, but are unable to remove it. 
Odin, furious that a human has entered Asgard, orders for her to be taken back to Earth. But when a guard touches her wrist, the ether reacts defensively just as it did with the police. Recognising the ether, Odin tells of its many possible origins and how the Dark Elves nearly used it to destroy the Nine Realms. Odin works to find a way to remove the ether without killing its host. So, obviously, lots of tension here between Odin and Jane Foster. What's their relationship like in the comics? It's not good, Will. It's not good. I bloody knew it. (laughs) It's a bad relationship, Will. (laughs) We're on the story later, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Odin forbids um, any relationship between Mm. between, um, Thor and, and Jane. Um, and to, so to begin with, it's a, it is the lowest lane situation. She doesn't know that the guy she works for, Donald Blake, is this new powerful hero, Thor. Mm. Thor uh, wants to reveal his identity to her, and he's in love with her. But Odin forbids it, and he does whatever he can to drive a wedge between them. He eventually looks like he acquiesces and says, "Okay." Well, she you can't basically you can't be with her because she's not uh, immortal. She's not an Asgardian. You'll die. Sorry, she'll die and and you'll keep going and we don't let mortals into Asgard and all of that. He, he we talked about this in the last Thor episode. Uh, Odin like makes all these moves like he's going to give her a chance and he says, "I'll make you an, a powerful immortal and if you can pass this test, then you can live with us forever." But the mm. test is he gives it immortality and, and the powers of an Asgardian, but she doesn't really know it, and she's a p- normal person. And then he has her attacked by these like really powerful uh, mercenary dudes, and he's like, go on, defend yourself. Show us some bravery. And she's just a normal person. She panics, and she goes, ah, oh, don't hurt me. And then Odin's like, see, I told you, she's useless. Uh, mind wipes her, sends her back to Earth, never to be heard from again. Wow. Um, their their relationship picks up again when Jane becomes Thor. Uh, because when, when Thor became unworthy, Odin decides, oh, I'll just take back Mjolnir now. It used to be my hammer. I'll just pick it up and take it home with me. But then he's very surprised, and if not uh, more than anything enraged, when he finds out that he is no longer worthy of Mjolnir and he cannot lift it. And so Odin... Odin takes that that uh, frustration and that rage out on the new Thor, and and sends the destroyer that we saw in the first movie to go and yeah. kill her, so he can reclaim the hammer. And around this time, Odin has become a proper tyrant. He, he rules over the Asgardians with like a military force, and the Jane is opposing him as the new Thor. And so they have they have almost yeah they have like a, a almost a hero villain relationship. That changes when Odin witnesses Jane sacrifice herself to save Asgard, like we just talked about, and he gains respect for her, and he and he uses his power to bring her back to life. But it's v- tension filled right from the right from the get go. Yeah, that, that, I mean, I mean, I mean, that's beyond tension. I mean, set the wolves on her. Ah, you won't be marrying her, son. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Bloody hell. Anyway, things are hotting up in Asgard. Elsewhere, alerted by Jane's use of the ether, Maleketh and his dark elves awake from their long sleep. 
consumed with vengeance and eager to steal the ether to destroy the universe, the Dark Elves plot their next attack against Asgard. Malekith's top lieutenant, Algrim, allows himself to be captured by the Asgardians, and while in custody, he transforms himself into Curse, with a K. <laughs> a super-powered warrior that <laughs> the Dark Elves used frequently in their war against the Asgardians. Curse frees all of Asgard's prisoners, except for Loki, and starts a prison riot. With everyone distracted by the riot, Malekith invades Asgard with a fleet of ships, searching for Jane and the Aether. So, Algrim seems like an important dark elf. What can you tell us about him? We'll split, we'll split him up into two sections, right? Because there is Algrim <laughs> and then there's Curse. Curse. Um, so Algrim is the it's a cool name written down it's a really cool name. Um mm. you know what I mean the K the K really changes that that name into something really cool. Oh yeah. Algrim Algrim's the, the the biggest and strongest of all the dark elves. He's the greatest warrior of his people and to begin with he's said to be not as strong as Thor but he's identified as a much better a superior fighter. Yeah, to Thor. So it's like, oh, he could he could probably beat Thor, maybe. So he becomes uh, Malkith's chief lieutenant and is gifted this incredible armor to protect him from, uh, hopefully, from Thor, who is much stronger. During his first battle with Thor, uh, Malkith realizes that Algrim cannot win, so he decides that he's going to sacrifice his own guy to like do one over on Thor. He opens this giant pitfall underneath them. And plunges them both into the molten lava below. Uh, but Thor can fly. <laughs> I don't know why Malkith thought he couldn't. Um, so Thor summons Mjolnir. And it flies him to safety. And Algrim falls into the lava. And is burned to the point of near death. Um, his armour his armor saves him. Mostly. But it's also said that the one thing that keeps him alive is his burning hatred for Thor. Um, <laughs> his mind gets absolutely ravaged by the experience, and he doesn't remember. All he remembers about what happened is that Thor is the reason he was hurt. He doesn't remember Malkith dropping him into the lava. He doesn't remember him being abandoned by his own people. He just remembers Thor, lava, Bernie bad, bad. And so he, he goes, he, he absolutely, his mind breaks and and we'll then later on he will come back in the form of curse and we'll chat about that a little bit later on yeah it was a pre- pretty creepy transformation it just came off like some kind of hell beast yeah. from doom Ooh. yeah so yeah yeah we'll come back to that in a bit so pressing play on the movie a big battle takes place and the palace is breached and heavily damaged thor's mother frigga is frigga isn't it frigga Yep. Frigga, Frigga. 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 Yeah, okay. Uh, Lures Malekith into a duel by creating a holographic replica of Jane. Frigga nearly succeeds in beating Malekith, but Curse intervenes and mortally wounds her. In In retaliation, an enraged Thor disfigures Malekith's face with a bolt of lightning and forces the Dark Elves to retreat. Frigga then dies from her injury. So kind of sad. Kind of, it was kind of melodramatic that bit. Yeah, 
It was. I didn't understand why. I mean, Asgard, Asgard's a place of magic and myth. Why are they using holograms? <laughs> it, again, it's like space fantasy. Let's make it like Star Wars. And yeah, Flash Gordon. It but is. They haven't got. They haven't got like you know electric doors and. <laughs> You know, it's just you know they haven't even got cell phones. I don't know, man. It's just weird. Well, this is like when we were talking about before the podcast. It's like, oh, why would you use a light if you just had a candle? I reckon they're like that. They're like because why would we need an electric door? What? Well, how else would you, you know? We could open it just fine. So they have holograms for things that they can't do with their bare hands. So, but they don't have electric doors. Yeah, but they're all they're all. I mean, there's loads of magic knock anyway. It just would be cleaner and simpler if it was a magic <laughs> illusion. You know, that would be the easy way of doing it. But there you go. Uh, yeah, maybe. So this whole bit, this whole battle. I mean, I uh, I don't I, I don't want to slag off the film too much, but during this this bit is on paper it's very melodramatic. But I I wasn't that engaged with it. I have to admit, I I don't know what was lacking for me for this 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 bit. I think there's something. Yeah, it's it. There's something missing from the whole film, mate. There really is. It really is missing. Uh, we felt the same about Iron Man 3. But yeah. Iron Man 3 had um, some very strong performances carrying it forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this film very much lacks that. It's a shame because a lot, a lot of great stuff's happening. We have uh, Thor's mother getting killed. We have Asgard being invaded uh, from the inside. It's, 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 it's all, it's all happening basically. But I was just watching it going. But it feels like we saw. It feels like we saw a lot of that in the first one as well. Yeah, I, I uh, when I was watching this, uh, it felt to me this this felt this film would be a lot better if it was made 10 years earlier. It did feel like a noughties film. It's really hard to put my finger on, but it felt like a noughties film. Yeah, it had elements of, like, a little bit of Hellboy. It had elements of a little bit of, like, almost like the, the Underworld series yeah. a little bit. Yeah. yeah, it had those kind of, that kind of feel to it. Yeah, you're right. In fact, it was uh, one new metal track away from being a Naughties film. That's <laughs> that's <laughs> Limp Biscuit suddenly plays. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, we discussed Odin in the last Thor episode. Is Frigga a character we see in the comic books? So, I mean, she must pop up. Yeah, but um, okay. Yeah, yeah. She she uh, Frigga in the comic books more often, or not more often, but equally called um, Freya. Um, she appears in 1963. Oh, okay. But she isn't a major character in the early decades of Thor, and that is mainly because she's not Thor's mum. Oh. In the comic books, Thor is the child of Odin and the goddess of Earth, Gaia, who is one of the uh, one of the elders of the universe, one of the elder gods of the universe. Yes. And and that is why the spirit of Earth, the spirit of Midgard, that's why Thor is always torn between his duties in Asgard and his heart and soul on Midgard, where he goes to find love and have adventures and make friends. It's because he's the child of essentially both worlds. Both realms. Mm. Okay. So the, the the Asgardians are, as we know them, are a blend of two tribes of older gods, the Aesir, which is 
where Odin and Bor are from, and the Vanir. Um, and those two tribes went to war. And you know, Will, when, when two <laughs> tribes go to war, a, a point is all that you can score. Um, <laughs> after, score to war, score to war. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. After, after an age of, of warring, Odin brings the Vanir and the Asir together by marrying Frigga, uh, Freyja. And this marks the beginning of the Asgardians as we know him. Um, so she doesn't do a whole lot until modern stories. And then she becomes a very key figure. After mm. Odin is, is dethroned from Asgard, um, the whole place becomes Asgardia. Mm. And is ruled over, instead of by uh, Odin, by the Allfather. It's ruled over by the Allmothers, which Ooh. is um, Frigga, Gaia and another goddess, Idun. And they really turn it into a paradise. They create a ruling council made up of representatives from all the nine realms. So it's not just one guy in Asgard. And and they end this like uh, outdated patriarchal royalty nonsense that Odin and Bor had presided over since the dawn of time. And and during this time, she very cunningly, Frigga very cunningly, starts to use Loki as her super secret agent, Ooh. sending him on these little black ops missions across all the nine realms, carrying out very subtle, difficult missions that no one can know about because of diplomacy and and because of his history as a villain, um, it's never, you know, if he's caught, it'll never be assumed that he's working for Asgardia. It'll just be thought that he's working for himself because he's a right, right dodgy fella. She's playing with fire, and she's playing with fire there because he can always deceive. Right. Oh. We'll we'll get into why <laughs> she kind of isn't very shortly because Ooh. okay, the Loki that she's working with isn't the Loki you're thinking of. Um, so yeah, okay. we, we've got we've got more on this to come. Oh um, God, <laughs> when when when. I know there's a lot, man. When Odin goes mad and tries to destroy Jane Foster's Thor, which we talked about, uh, Frigga stands stands against him and um, is almost killed because of it. So yeah, she 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 becomes a a real cool badass as time goes on. That's uh, that's pretty good. I I mean I'd I'd like to hear more about this uh, about what happens with this, this sorry quotations Loki, but. Okay, we'll talk about that later. It's coming up. It's, it's coming, coming up. up. We've got we got it. It's in this episode. Don't turn off the episode. It's coming up. I'm not going to get impatient and then go, that's it. I'm quitting the podcast because you won't tell me <laughs> in a matter of time. So, anyway, sad times in Asgard. A funeral is held for Freya and the Asgardians killed in battle. A grief-stricken Odin has Jane Foster imprisoned. Thor knows that Malekith will return for Jane, but Odin, blinded by hate and grief, refuses to release her. So even though it is an act of treason, Thor comes up with a plan to break her out. With Himdel distracting Odin, Thor has Loki threed from his cell. As Loki knows of secret portals that could transport Jane away to another world and draw Malekith away from Asgard. Thor takes Jane and Loki to hijack a downed dark elf ship and make their way out of Asgard through a hidden portal that teleports them to Svartalheim. 
as they make their escape. Yeah, so I got it. I got it. I, I don't know why I stuck a German accent Nailed on it. there. No. I, I stuck a German accent. Voestvatelheim, mein Führer. What did he say? Mein Herr. Mein Herr. So as they make their escape, however, Jane's body is slowly being overrun by the ether, draining her of life. Oh dear. Now, I liked when they went to see Loki in his cell, and he's all like, nah, look at me, I'm still nice. And then it's all an illusion, and he's just looking absolutely haggard, <laughs> and just like, Ugh. Yeah. It reminded me of a very sad moment in the game Gears of War 2, where one of your characters uh, is going after, hey, I, I, am, I am doing a video game tangent, don't shake your head at me, young man. <laughs> <laughs> They can't see me shake my head. They, oh yeah, I'm but just I winning. I'm winning. I'm winning. Will Preston bingo against myself. Oh, <laughs> video game reference number seven. seven. Full house. <laughs> oh, I got to see that bingo sheet sometime. No Simpsons yet. This mate, no Simpsons in this episode yet. What's going on? I, I, that hasn't been good course of one, but I might stick in a steamed hams <laughs> later if, if if it helps you win a full no house. No historical events. No, historical. no historical events have taken place. Thus. <laughs> <laughs> There's no Simpsons references. <laughs> or they did do a Futurama reference. I know Julius Caesar from The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> or his Grandpa Simpson said, How do you know so much about history? We pieced it together mainly from sugar packets. <laughs> anyway. There we go, folks. There we go. There we go. We did Futurama and The Simpsons. But this bit with Loki reminds me of a bit in Gears of War 2. Uh, one of the characters is hunting down for his wife, who's been captured by the enemy. And when they finally break her out of prison, he sees her and he's so happy uh, and it looks like they're getting back together. But then it switches round to your point of view and she doesn't look beautiful like the way she was. She's haggard. She doesn't recognise her husband. She's lost some of her hair. And it's the most heartbreaking thing I've ever seen in a video game, especially one that's about chainsawing people with guns. That's supposed to be like, oh, oh, this is supposed to be a bit of warm-hearted violence. Oh, no. Horrible, crushing despair. I didn't expect that in a violent video game. <laughs> yeah, you're not, supposed to have, you're not supposed to have emotions for these things. Yeah, you just the only emotion you have is, is vengeance, not, oh. Uh. But anyway. Vengeance. Vengeance. Loki working with Thor instead of fighting him. Now, I know I have a problem with this, and you're probably going to, this is probably where you explain it. But does this happen in the comic books? What's your problem with it? Well, as I said earlier, before I threatened to walk out of this, the the uh, quotation studio uh, <laughs> with the with the, uh, with, with, the, with what what's happened with the Freya, Freya using him as a dark agent as a as, as an agent. Right, 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 right. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. This, yeah. Well, this is where things get a little bit tricky because yeah. there are three Lokis. In the Marvel Universe. <laughs> and we'll talk about that uh, in a little bit. Yeah. So regular Loki, the supervillain, that's the main the main Loki, the, su- the, the supervillain. Mm. He's worked with Thor and the Asgardians a couple of times in the past, um, usually during sort of the Ragnarok end of days kind, where, where all of Asgard is being threatened by... Uh, Surtur or Mangog or something else that's going to destroy everyone and and spoil Loki's fun, like spoil 
his chance to either rule Asgard or destroy it himself. So it's that kind of enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so those are the occasions where regular Loki has teamed up with with Thor and the Asgardians. Um, Kid Loki, who turns up during uh, Kieran Gillen's really amazing run on Thor and Journey into Mystery, he's a a different version of Loki, and and he really loves and looks up to Thor and and does work with him to save Asgard. We'll we'll go a little bit more into depth in that shortly. Okay, so there are a few times when it's happened, but it's not a regular occurrence. So different kinds of Loki. Is there a super cyan Loki? <laughs> I don't get that reference. I, I kind of get it. I've seen the memes about it. It's something Japanese. It's, it's, it's Dragon Ball Z. It's, it's anime and I move on. That's all I yeah. I Will, Will, listen to me. Listen to me. I'm right? listening. 30 plus years of comic books, science fiction, <laughs> and professional wrestling. I haven't got room for anime. I haven't got room for video games. Uh, people, women barely go near me as it is. I got no. I'm, I'm all geeked out. I can't add more hang-ups onto this framework. It's like Buckaroo, right? It just will. I'll start kicking. <laughs> I, I will admit that I had no to quickly. Go- I, I quickly had to Google that reference anyway, so I, I won't call myself a Dragon Ball Z fan anyway. Why are you bringing it up then? Why are you introducing Super Scion to this when you don't know what it is? Because I thought I vaguely know the, the character, and I thought it was relevant somehow. I, I'm, I'm sure we've all seen listeners- the memes. We all we've all seen the memes when the Generation Z talk about it but we don't know what it means will we're old men I'm just, old old men I, there's one of our listeners is going to listen to that and go yes for five seconds they'll be happy and they'll continue listening to the podcast <laughs> <laughs> and they'll be even more happier uh, go the extra mile yeah go the extra mile come on put that chair on top anyway things are hotting up for thor the trio land in the wastelands of svartelheim and, there, and by then, Jane's body has completely channeled the ether, enhancing her perceptions, but weakening her, weakening her physically. Malekith senses the ether's movement and confronts the trio on Svartelheim. At that moment, Loki betrays Thor, cutting off his hand and giving Jane to Malekith. Loki tells Malekith that in return for the ether, he wants a front row seat to watch Asgard's destruction. Malekith proceeds to drain the ether from Jane's body into himself, but Loki's betrayal is revealed to be a ruse, and Thor's injury is revealed to have been nothing more than a holographic projection meant to lull Malekith into a false sense of security. So, Loki there, plans within plans and betrayals within betrayals, or as we call it, betrayalception. Is this is that something? <laughs> f- Sorry, I love sticking-ception at the end of anything. It's like gate, gate and ception, the two things you stick on words to make sound like a new thing has happened. Anyway, does this kind of stuff happen in the comics? Oh yeah, I mean we already we already talked about um, like what Od- what what Loki did at the start with Boar. That don't, I mean, the, those are long-term plans. Those are oh. really big betrayals. Um, so, 
to 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 talk about to reconcile the idea that there are three Lokis and to give you an idea of Loki's manipulations and how he manipulates everyone and anyone we'll just do a little bit on that the the, the three Lokis in Marvel okay there's the the regular villainous supervillain Loki that existed from the 1960s right up until Norman Osborn's Siege of Asgard that we've mentioned a few times yeah we talked earlier about you know he's the one that did all the manipulation of Bor and ensured he was adopted as a baby. Well, that Loki dies during the siege of Asgard. Oh, and he, but he 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 prepared for his own death. He had himself. He had Hela, who who rules the underworld, strike his name from the book of the dead, <laughs> and that allows. So when he dies, a new Loki appears. Lacking all the memories and evil ways of the original uh, Loki, and that's a child. It was, it's a kid version of himself, yeah. right? Kid, kid Loki. Bearing in mind, the siege of Asgard was essentially engineered by Loki. He destroyed his own, his own people, his own city, his own everything. He brought real death and destruction and had it raining down on everybody. It was brutally mm. horrible. So Kid Loki is is rejected by every single person in Asgard because everyone looks at Kid Loki and goes, I'm not falling for it again. You're Loki. <laughs> you're just Loki. No matter nothing you can do, you're Loki. You're evil. The only one that gives him another chance is Thor. Uh, and, and, and Kid Loki works really hard to try and convince everyone he is not the same as the evil Loki, the original version. And during this period of time, that's when he starts kind of working with his mom, um, Frigga, and trying to do good things. But albeit his skill is in kind of manipulation and deception, so he he is there are fringes of him being deceptive, but he's trying really hard, mm. right? Um, Kid Loki gains an aspect of his old self in the form of a raven. Ooh. Uh, that that has that has some of the memories and, and, and psyche and personality of the original Loki. Kid Kid Loki calls that Raven Eichel, you know, Loki backwards and <laughs> Eichel is constantly whispering in Kid Loki's ear and telling him manipulate people, take the easy route, deceive them, do this and trying to nudge him back onto the path of kind of evil really. Once Kid Loki has spent a long time gaining everyone's trust again getting all of Asgard to give him a second chance and a, and a clean slate again I call the Raven reveals that he has manipulated deadly events and the only way to save everyone is for Kid Loki to kill himself and let Eichel the spirit of the old Loki possess his body and be reborn into a child who has the whole world trusting Loki again bloody hell and then, then, and then that happens. <laughs> so that's elaborate. So yeah. that's 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 there. There, that is Loki. That is Loki manipulating things and manipulating things. Um, the death of Kid Loki is still one of the saddest things I've ever read in comics. I've read it, reread it, dozens of times because it's it's really heartbreaking. <laughs> um, the only upside to that is that it doesn't quite perfectly work for Loki. Mm. And what happens is we kind of get uh, an, a third version of Loki, 
who who is kind of possessing the second chance, almost slightly innocent spirit of Kid Loki. So you get a third version of the character that is kind of a mix, and you're not sure which way he's going to go. Mm, so you get good lo- bad Loki, good Loki, and then anti-hero Loki. <laughs> yeah, I I call is he's, he's kind of short. I mean, he's Loki now, but if you're going to differentiate, you'd say Loki for the for the for the older one, Kid Loki for the middle one, and kind of Eichel Loki for the new one that is pretty much Loki. Yeah, he can he yeah go go one or two ways really. <laughs> that sounds like a, the Marvel's version of Freud's different aspects of the personality. Was it ego, super ego, and the id? <laughs> yeah, it could well be. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, I don't think that's on the bingo card. Will references psychology. No. <laughs> it's not. No. 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 One day I'll get that bingo card. Anyway, the action co- continues. Actually, before uh, we go on, there was something I wanted to say. And I might have forgotten it. Ah, he <laughs> ruins all momentum. No, I, 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 I you're not written it down anywhere. I, no, I didn't. Read, it was as you were saying something. I just remembered something, and I was like, "Oh, oh this bit is a good point to talk about that." And it wasn't. I haven't got it in my notes. And now I have ruined all momentum. It's, it's, it's probably something about the Treehouse of Horror episodes. I wouldn't worry about no, it's it. Not, <laughs> anyway, I remember it later and in the middle of speaking. Oh, yes, that one it was. Anyway, action continues. Thor tries to destroy the ether, but fails as it is indestructible. Curse battles Thor while Malekith and his minions leave the planet. Curse quickly gains the upper hand against Thor. Loki comes to Thor's aid, stabbing Curse through the chest with the sword. But this has no effect at all. Curse takes the sword and stabs Loki through the chest. Loki manages to set off one of Curse's implosion bombs and the blast finally kills the Dark Elf warrior. Dying in Thor's arms, Loki apologises to his brother with his dying breath. After mourning Loki, Thor and Jane then enter a cave, believing that they have completely failed to stop Malekith. Suddenly... Jane Selfo gains reception and they venture deeper into the cave, finding a portal that leads back to London. So, yay, yay good old London with jelly deals and pints of ale. Uh, I remembered what I was... Get on the lash. Get on the lash. Not right now. But what I was going to say, I just remembered, I did enjoy Loki turning into Captain America as they were working, walking out and he was doing his illusions. And he turns into Captain America yeah. and just becomes a caricature of him. I loved that. So, those implosion bombs as well. Those are pr- that, that, those I liked. I liked those in this film. This was. Are we are we about to get some 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 technicality? Are we about to be criticised from an engineering perspective? Will no no no. They're they're, they're uh, totally sound. Aww. My end. I, I I just thought they deserve a shout out because every time <laughs> I saw it, it was like, oh, it's like a black hole grenade. This is great. I love it. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, loved it. Curse seems like a big badass. I mean, what what we've seen here just now. Uh, it's time to talk about the other half of... Uh, I forgot what his name is. Killed... Algrim. Because Al- I, I was almost going to say algorithm. Uh, Algrim. It's time to talk about the <laughs> other half of Algrim. Curse, with a K. Classic Thor villain, is he? Uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, he doesn't... I mean, like like an awful lot of Thor villains... He 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 kinds to he has this big peak moment in the eighties 
and then he he like vanishes for a bit. Oh. So look, the last time we saw Algrim, he had a very Darth Vader experience with molten lava. Um, and what happens to him next? It will be will tie into a. We've got an awful lot of of our listeners, especially our, mm. our UK listeners, that credit Secret Wars as their first Marvel experience. Mm. That was a a big crossover story event that got um, comics and newsstands over here in the eighties, and big toy lines with with adverts on the telly. You know, and that was a that was what kind of got a lot of kids into uh, Marvel for the very first time. And Secret Wars is about an all-powerful being called the Beyonder, who likes to kind of mess with uh, the superpowered characters of the Marvel Universe. This this chap turns up right when uh, Algrim is all kinds of messed up, and he finds it pretty amusing that Algrim is absolutely desperate for revenge. So he transforms Algrim into Curse. He he makes him even stronger than Thor. He gives him this armor that even Mjolnir can't break, and um, and off goes Curse to uh, to destroy Thor. And then a weird thing happens during the battle. So Thor realizes that um, oh, this fella's stronger than me. So Thor retrieves his belt of strength, which is <laughs> a, a really silly sounding, but it's from an actual. Norse, the Norse mythology have Thor wearing a belt of strength that makes him really strong. Give me back my so belt, Thor of grabs strength. The belt of strength. Yes, it's genuine Italian yeah. leather. <laughs> I'm sorry. There we go, folks. You can mark bingo. Full house. <laughs> <laughs> so Thor, Thor straps on the belt of strength, so he's now stronger than Curse. And the Beyonder is watching this, and he goes, that's not fair, I made that dude stronger than you. Mm. So however strong you are now, he's twice as strong again. <laughs> and so strong, the curse becomes insanely powerful. Mm. Um, luckily, during the battle, um, Curse regains his memories and realises that it's actually not Thor who chucked him into a, a volcano, it was Malkith. And so all his hatred and his thirst for revenge switches from Thor over to uh, Malkith and he chases him across all the nine realms, even goes to hell to find him <laughs> and eventually um, even though Malkith has disguised himself as one of Thor's childhood friends, Baldor Curse uh, goes, no, I know who you are and breaks his neck <laughs> and that's the end of Malkith um, for a long time, yeah Wow for, for, yeah, he would crop up every now and then. Um, he was mind controlled into attacking Thor for a for a good period of time. He became fiercely loyal to Asgard. He felt utterly betrayed by all the Dark Elves, mm. and so he serves Odin as like a really loyal soldier. But um, after the Marvel Universe got completely restarted from scratch, he seems to have gone back to his kind of villainous, uh, evil ways. <sighs> wow. Okay. So that's pretty. That's pretty intense. Pretty badass, then you'd say, out of out of all the badass characters in Marvel. Um. Well, in in the way he's originally done, yeah, he's meant to be like twice as strong as Thor, and Thor is possibly the strongest character in the Marvel universe. So yeah, Curse Curse should be one of the top tier heavyweights. The, the only the only thing is that Curse seems to be blinded by rage, so he's. He stops being a really good fighter. He stops being a skilled warrior and just becomes like a mindless beast. Um, 
Whereas when he was originally kicking around as Algrim, he was really a skilled warrior with lots of tactics and stuff. <laughs> it's like the best of both worlds. Anyway, back to the movie. So, while Jane has been in Asgard, Darcy has been fruitlessly trying to reach S.H.I.E.L.D. Desperate for some help, Darcy and her intern go to a psychiatric home to speak to her old boss, Dr. Selvig. After the events of the... Naked Dr. Selvig! Yes! Yay! He was at at, uh, Stonehenge, wasn't he? He was trying to... Was he sorting out portals? Yeah. Yeah. For some reason, got naked. That's what you do at Stonehenge. You go full druid. (laughs) After the events of the Avengers movie, where Loki controlled his mind, Dr. Selvig's sanity became unstable and he was committed. Selvig tells Darcy that for months now, he's been studying the Convergence and has developed ways to teleport between the different worlds. They meet up with with Thor and Jane. And Selvig tells the gang that after the previous convergences many years ago, the people of England created a secret map charting where the convergence would reach its peak, Greenwich. Jane realises that Malekith's plans to spread the ether through the portals so that he could destroy all the nine realms at once. So, the convergence. Obviously, this is a majorly important in this film. Again... Does this happen in the comics? Does the Convergence exist in the Marvel comics? It's catchphrase time, Will. (laughs) Are you ready? Uh, The first time of the episode. I'm ready. Drum roll, please. Sort of, but not really. (laughs) (laughs) So there's, there's nothing called the Convergence in Marvel comics, but this idea of different worlds overlapping seems really similar to, instead of the conversion events, the incursion uh. events. Um, so that's where that happens in, in quite a lot of modern uh, stuff, modern, modern Avengers, and, and um, it, it, it tends to kick off the, the, the new Secret Wars. Portals would overlap between worlds, and, and, and worlds would overlap with each other, and, and characters could move from one world to the other. So quite similar. The problem with the incursion events in the, the comic books is that two worlds cannot exist in the same place at the same time. So you would look up into the sky and you would see as big, like you would see an, another Earth right up there in front. Like, you, do you know what I mean? So yeah, it'd be yeah. like it would two worlds, and they're moving closer and closer together Oof. with every step. The portals are huge. And they can't be in the same place at the same time. So ultimately, both worlds will die unless one world destroys the other world first. It's almost like quantum physics. And yeah, this happens uh, in the Marvel comics and a a band of heroes, in inverted commas, (laughs) who call themselves the Illuminati have to decide whether it's right to destroy another world to save their own. Um, and the Illuminati at the time are Tony Stark, Reed Richards, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, Beast from the X-Men, and, and Namor. And they have to decide the ethics of killing an entire world to save everyone. Um, yeah. So it's not, it, it is not the same as Convergence, but it has a lot of similarities about all these worlds overlapping and portals that cause a lot of problems and and there being um a timing to it that's a big deal in the incursion um the incursion events 
like happen on a on some sort of timetable they have to work out and they have to kind of put a map together to work out where is the strongest point of it that they can get in and so there are a lot of similarities with it yeah, yeah especially with the mapping wow i like that image i wish they had something like that like an image of an earth approaching another earth like from 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 like your man on the streets point of view that would be epic but we didn't get that at one stage at one stage during it captain america uses the infinity gauntlet to physically hold back an entire planet through the power of the infinity gauntlet oh my he straps it on and tries tries to use all the reality warping powers of the infinity gauntlet to push the other world back through the um, incursion portal and and back to wherever it came from did it work and ultimately no all the infinity stones shatter <laughs> and the gauntlet is broken that so they have no world's world warping power to help them at all. That's a real stress test for the gauntlet. So, yeah, the movie continues. Thor and the gang travel to Greenwich and find portals have already opened up above the city. A sign that the convergence is nearing its peak. Malekith arrives and Thor engages him in battle, finding themselves both evenly matched. The fight takes them through various portals, transporting them to different worlds. While they're fighting, the rest of the gang use Selvig's devices to deal with the Dark Elf soldiers, but they accidentally summon a frost beast in the process. Thor and Malekith are soon separated by one of the portals, giving Malekith the opportunity to unleash the ether into the portals. <gasps> so, pretty intense. Unleash the ether! <laughs> That's going to be my new, uh, my new, my new band. It's going to be called Unleash the Ether. Unleashed. Get ready for our SoundClouds drop coming later on this year. Oh, I can't wait for that. Three minutes of heavy metal goodness. Uh, I have a complaint. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I also, I also have a complaint. Um, surprise. Is that on the bingo sheet? I have a complaint about the film, about accuracy of the film. No, no, not yet. Not yet. It will be next week. It will be next week. Um, Thor gets on, is suddenly transported to Charing Cross Underground Station, asks to get to Greenwich, and the woman says, it's just three stops. It's not. <laughs> I... Okay, how many stops is it worth? How many, Come on. How many stops? Just a second. It uh, it does require a change. So to get to Greenwich from Charing oh, Cross, you need to go to... Here we go. So, where's Charing Cross? Here we go. Where? Oh, yeah, there we go. Wow, you'd need to change so many times. You'd need to... One, really? Yeah, you'd need to change about three times. <laughs> and we're talking 20 stops. <laughs> I, I, I've got the map in front of me right now. I didn't have it there, but I know because I used to live near Greenwich and I've travelled to Charing Cross so many times. I was like, no, it's not. It's not three stops. I don't care which universe this is. It doesn't. It, I don't care if it's Earth 616. Is she, is, like, who's, she, who's she working for? Is she, who, like, what, what staff member is she? Platform or is she like Virgin Trains? Oh, no, no. She, she's just a bystander. She's, she's a commuter. She's someone on the uh, tube. Oh, well, she's got no inherent knowledge then. It could be someone like me just in London for the day. And you see that big fella and you go, I'll wind him up. Yeah, and then touch him on the train when it starts moving. <laughs> Listen, I told you not to tell people about that. Bloody hell. <laughs> I, um, I, I got a few things to say about this bit. First of all, um, the, the portal fights 
got pretty exhausting to watch after a while. I mean, it was a nice idea. They go from one bit to another, to another, to another. But you're watching and going, ah, oh, I find this kind of hard to keep up with. This is very, it's a lot happening at once. It was very... Yeah, was very... I found it a little bit similar when they did something quite similar with the Doctor Strange fights. Yeah. Um, it was a bit like, that idea was good, and I know you've invested a lot of money in making it happen, mm. but I still don't think it's good enough to warrant seeing it for like two straight minutes. Yeah, I I, I think the Doctor Strange fight scenes have the advantage of being very slow, so slightly MC Escher-ish, so it does get a bit more warpy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, that's kind of cool, but at the same time, you got you want to limit that. Also, because uh, this is the second time I've seen this film, um, I, I had to admit... I didn't remember anything about Malekith from the first time I watched it. I I have to admit, I I, I I just didn't remember him being the bad guy. I think you could have replaced him with a guy in a jeans and t-shirt. Wouldn't have felt differently. <laughs> that's, that's how I felt. It's a shame, yeah. It's a shame. Also, I didn't realise it was Christopher Eccleston. I was really taken aback when I read up the casting. I went, oh my God, I love Christopher Eccleston, but he barely spoke in this. And when he did, it was strange elvish language that I couldn't understand. It it does certainly feel like they wanted the name value of the character, but then also kind of didn't want any... Like, There's no climactic kind of discourse between them. Mm. There's not like... You did this to my people. I will stop. There's none of that. It's 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 really it's lacking the big sort of dramatic supervillain moment, isn't it? It kind of it kind of is. I mean, he, he I mean, he's very he, he, he ticks most of the boxes as a villain, but not enough for a supervillain. He just there's no there's no real depth to him. I think that's what's missing is a sense of depth and background. All, all we know is he just wants to blow up Asgard. He wants to destroy the nine realms. He wants to do that, and it's like. I'd like a bit more. Uh, I, I, what is your motivation? If I was a drama teacher, that's what I'd say to him. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting because it, oh, we'll talk now. Is it, is it a good time to talk about Malekith now? I think now is is the best time to talk about Malekith. Yeah. Well, he. he, he I mean, if you want depth, Malekith <laughs> might not be your character. He, he, um, he seems to. He's generally obsessed with. Um, mm causing pain and chaos yeah he seems to sort of almost worship chaos he was created um in by a hugely important figure in the thor comics walt simonson who we talked about at the very top of the show and, and did a very influential four or five year run in the 1980s mm. uh, walt had been a big fan of of lee and kirby thor comics of the 60s and spent his youth writing and drawing his own thor stories while he was at college and then he broke into the business, and by the 80s, he gets hired as the writer and artist of Thor. So he's doing both at the same time. And he gets to create and bring to life the same stories that he drew in college. <laughs> and he gets to take a fan story and make it part of actual Thor lore. Thor lore. He, he introduced Thor lore. Uh, Simonson introduced a lot of epic scale that had been missing from Thor since the 60s and he brought a lot of mythology back and you know he created a ton of these really like we said at the start cool characters Curse, Malekith, Beta Ray Bill um, and he, he he did a lot of the Ragnarok stories and, and, and all that sort of stuff Malekith plagued Thor a lot in the 80s 
when uh, when Simonson had the comic. But after that period, he fell out of use and only made sparse appearances in the 90s. He returned to... Properly returned in 2013, where he went about taking control of the Dark Elves again, ruling that realm and becoming a real force of power in the Nine Realms. When uh, when he becomes unworthy of Mjolnir, Thor fights Malekith in a battle and uh, Malekith chops Thor's left arm off. And that has remained gone to this day. Thor has to use a prosthetic left arm. Um, So that's some real lasting damage that, that, that gets done. You know, that's a real big win for the villain. And in, in 2019, he becomes the top villain in the Marvel Universe. He arranges all the evil gods and immortals into one giant army and invades Earth uh, with a big crossover event called War of the Realms, mm. along with Ulic the Troll, Curse, the Enchantress, the Minotaur. They conquer pretty much every continent on Earth. Uh, Malekith also gains possession of the Venom symbiote during this time, making him even more powerful. He tortures Odin and Frigga, and Thor can only defeat him by sacrificing his eye in the heart of the sun in order to gain enough power and wisdom to defeat the armies. So big, powerful, major character. But it's important to know that that War of Realms return hadn't happened yet at that point. Um, So... A lot of times what happens is... So 2013 is when he returns to comics, which is when the movie you know comes out. A lot of the times you'll see a character that's been uh, you know, in the dustbin for 20 years. Someone in, in Hollywood goes, oh, that's a good character, we'll use that in our movie. And Marvel go, oh, dust him off, get him back into action, make him a major threat again, quickly, quickly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's the typical way they do it. Yeah, absolutely. Bloody hell! I oh, sorry, I I I I kind of got distracted there when you said he threw his eye into the sun. No, he he sacrificed his eye in the heart, like Thor. <laughs> okay, I see what I've done there. Yggdrasil. Yggdrasil the world tree, which is the physical and uh, spiritual tree upon which all the realms hang, had been destroyed and then regrown in the heart of the sun. When Odin in the past wanted to gain wisdom, enough wisdom to rule and, and, and defeat the Frost Giants and become king of Asgard, Odin has himself chained to Yggdrasil and sacrifices his eye, which is pecked out by ravens. Uh. And Odin becomes... Odin one eye and gains wisdom in order for Thor to repeat the same act and gain the same kind of wisdom and insight to let him know how to defeat the armies he has to strap himself to Yggdrasil again but Yggdrasil is in the heart of the sun mm. so that's kind of yeah I, I got a completely different so Thor image Thor currently <laughs> has one eye and one arm mm. he's been through the ringer lad he's been through the ringer Proper. See, all, when you mentioned like sacrifice and ravens, I was like, oh, okay. Because all I imagined was him with the Guardians of the Galaxy going, hold on, lads, just a sec. Opens the airlock and chucks his eye at the sun. That's what, that's what, that's what I imagined. That's what I saw. 
<laughs> does he lose his? He loses his lie later on, doesn't he? he? Yeah, I think he loses it in uh, Ragnarok, doesn't he? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. but it's not. It, it it lacks all. It lacks all um, symbolism. Okay, it does. It does, it does lack. <laughs> I, I agree. Anyway, Thor's battle is heating up now. Thor realizes that while the ether is indestructible, Malekith is not. He takes Selvig's devices and impales Malekith with them, allowing Jane to teleport the Dark Elf back to Svartalheim. The attack on the Nine Realms stop, but Malekith's damaged ship starts to crash, threatening to crush Jane and Thor. At the last minute, Dr. Selvig uses the last of his device to teleport the ship away. The ship vanishes from Earth, but reappears on Svartalheim, where it crashes down on Malekith, killing him and the portals of the Convergence close for good. Sometime later, Thor returns to Adgard, where Odin congratulates him on his victory, despite the crimes he committed to do so. Odin com- comments that Thor will make a wise king, but Thor responds by saying he is not ready to bear the weight of the throne. So, Thor as the king of Asgard, that sounds very interesting. I mean... I, I'm, I'm going to guess that happens, right? Because he's pretty much conquered quite a few things. He's obviously going to be the king of Asgard. Yeah, it, it happens. It happens quite a few times because <laughs> um, Odin's <laughs> always it, it, the the problem. The problem is with doing what what we do and, and taking this quite condensed look is that it makes it look like these things keep happening again and again and again and again. We're talking about sixty plus years of stories that come out. Once a month, you do get some repetition, um, but it, it doesn't. It's not like you're going. Oh, wasn't Thor king last week? It's, <laughs> you know, it'll be like it'll be five or you know, so also years in between that kind of happening. He tends to take over Asgard whenever because Odin is always dying. He's constantly like dying or going into a coma or vanishing into a pocket dimension to look after his brother who's actually a giant serpent and whenever <laughs> odin is gone thor thor steps in but he never really feels like the king he did when he when he rebuilt asgard above oklahoma he did really feel like he was the king then because mm. he was taking charge and doing things for his own people but the writers don't they don't really want it to happen because it's like being a king gets in the way of him like running off and smashing things and having adventures. Yeah. So they always yeah. find a way to like he has to hand the throne over to someone responsible. No one wants a responsible Thor. <laughs> they want kind of like, you know, wild wacky adventures. It's Although like, Yeah. After the War of Realms that we just talked about, Odin is still alive, but he kneels before Thor and proclaims him to be King of Asgard, and that in, in that it only happened when when Odin wasn't around. This recent 2019 storyline, Odin is around, but he kneels in front of everyone and says, "No, Thor's the king now." So that's that's a, an interesting wrinkle. I I was about to say, um, it's like him going off into adventures while being a king. That's like uh, Captain Kirk going off on adventures all the time instead of captaining a bloody ship. Why doesn't he send? Why do you send the other people after? That's 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 just stupid. Or Quincy, Quincy, the MD. Quincy is the coroner. 
Quincy, it's not your job to solve crimes. <laughs> what are you doing, Quincy? There's a poisoning at the water reservoir. Well, that may well be, Quincy, but that's not your job. <laughs> Call the police and get back to the... The bodies are piled up three high in there, mate. Get on with it. <laughs> I, I studied criminology, damn it. <laughs> so anyway. There's one episode where Quin- Quincy runs off to start warning college kids about the dangers of smoking marijuana. That's not your job, Quincy. You deal with bodies. I'll show you guys what a real reefer addict looks like. Shows them the morgue. This is what happens <laughs> when you smoke weed. <laughs> Am I cool? Am, Am I-, I cool now? <laughs> yes. Yes, you did do that reference. Love it. Do I look cool? Uh, anyway, things are <laughs> if you If you haven't watched it, watch the day-to-day fantastic show. Anyway, things are dying, uh, winding down now. Thor leaves Asgard to reunite with Jane on Earth, but as he leaves, Odin is revealed to be Loki, having faked his death and usurped Odin's throne. So that was quite surprising, that bit, wasn't it? Because it catches you off yeah. guard because you're thinking, oh, it's the end of the film now. Oh, no. So, wow. You don't but, really believe that Loki's dead, do you? But No, but you know he's he, still, you will, still weren't expecting that. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, did, did I miss something? Did I miss what happens to Odin or did he just do it while Odin was taking a wee-wee? Yeah, it's not clear at all in this, is it? Yeah, because I, 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 I watched it and I went, Oh, did Odin die? Like off screen somewhere, and I, I, no. I and I was like, oh, no. so Loki was just okay. And I, 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 what I'd like is a little extra five second bit where where Thor goes and then Loki transforms himself back, and then Odin comes in doing up his flying, goes, "What are you doing in my chair? <laughs> Get off!" <laughs> Well, I was expecting the answers to come in the next Thor film, but they absolutely don't. Um, Oh, God. Yeah. Anyway. No idea. So, brilliant deception from Loki. Does something like that happen in the comics? Um, not, Not exactly like this. Loki has disguised himself as loads of different people over the years Mm. Um, he disguised himself as a Scarlet Witch for quite quite a long time Um, but no and and he has he he has taken over the throne but he's lured he's kind of lured Odin and Thor away from Asgard and seized the throne I don't I don't recall him doing doing this and like I don't think he's ever impersonated Odin as as king at least not in the the kind of the regular the regular continuity. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I, I, I'm just still, I'm just sorry. I still got that image in my head of Odin coming in, going, "Get off my chair!" <laughs> so that's stick with me <laughs> for a while. Anyway, something important is about to happen. Sif and Volstag hand over the captured Ether to Tanalir Tav. Sorry, Tan Tanalir Tiven, also known as that's it, the Collector. Tiven appears eager to take it, but is curious as to why the Asgardians don't just keep it secured in their own vault. Volstag explains that the Tesseract is already on Asgard, and that to keep two Infinity Stones in the same place would be unwise. As they leave, the Collector marks, one down, five to go. Now, Rob, the Collector appears in a few other films, uh, most notably Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Is it I think he appears in the second one. Or the, anyway, what can you tell us about Tanalir Tiven? 
He's possibly the oldest living creature in the Marvel Universe. He's um, an elder of the universe. Last of his species, which was the first species to ever exist. And death, because of that, allows him to be immortal so that the first race of the universe would forever be preserved. Hmm. And so he bounces along, un, un, unending and undying. And he also, through living so long and, and having this kind of immortality, he gains some other abilities and, and, and powers. Uh, he's possessed of something called the primordial power, which all the elders of the universe are. He's not that bothered about it, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he, he, foresees the, he foresees the end of the universe... And he decides to use his unending life to collect valuable pieces from every culture and species so that their history will live on to the next universe, which he will also anticipate him seeing. You know, he, he doesn't anticipate he's going to die anytime soon. Um, and that's, that's kind of how... Well, we can't get into that. We'll save that. Um, <laughs> he, he's, he's in, he goes all the way back to 19... 19- 1966 is uh, Stanley Don Heck character uh, that crops up in the Avengers and keeps trying to collect various members of the Avengers. He tries to collect Giant Man, he tries to collect Iron Man, um, he tries to collect Hulk. He, he generally exists on the periphery. Uh, he's not like an antagonist. He's rarely an antagonist. He's never a protagonist. But he, but he's a very he's a very rich character that kind of fleshes a lot of the cosmic mythology out. Um, he tends to engage in a lot of contests with his uh, another another one of the elders of the universe called the Grand Master, and these contests always involve getting heroes and villains to kind of battle each other or go on quests for their sport and things like that. He he generally originally uh, up until the movies came out, he looked like a wizened old man um, with white hair and a cape, very old looking. Yeah, but once. In a movie came out, they 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 sort of changed the comic book version to look younger, look more like um, the MCU counterpart. That makes sense. So, well, he looks more like who who played him in this? It was um, oh uh, Del Toro, not Guillermo Del Toro. No, Benicio. The the other Del Toro, <laughs> Benicio Del Toro. Yeah, Benicio. Yeah, mm. yeah. I always like it when he pops up in films. I, I he's one of those actors you don't really have in front of you. He's always in your periphery, and then he pops up, and you go, "Oh, oh, oh!" I like him, but not enough to actually go out and seek his films. Yeah, I know what you mean. Well, he's a great character actor. Great character actor. And he's not. He's not necessarily what you'd call a. I don't think he's a sort of a star per se, but he's a great character. Oh, actor, yeah, brilliant character actor. So, we've reached the end of the movie. Thor returns to Earth, where he happily reunites with Jane, unaware that the Frost Beast is still running rampant through London, chasing a flock of birds. That never that never gets uh, resolved, does it? They just leave that in for a nice funny thing for the uh, British police to call in the armed response unit to deal with. Yeah, it's frustrating that, because um, the, the Frost, Frost Hound is not a thing in the Thor comics, okay. but the Hellhound really is and becomes Thor's pet. So I, it's it feel. I mean, admittedly, that happened years later. Though mm. it just is a, it's just a little shame. There isn't that quite that unity to it, being a hellhound rather than a frosthound. But there you go. Yeah. So that's the end of the film. Well, thank you for that, Will, taking us through 
the second film of Phase 2 of the MCU. Can we take... Um, before we get the final thoughts on the movie, can we talk numbers? Can we talk what this movie... The performance of the of the film? Because we talked when we... We didn't get into it. and It was a failing on our part. We were going to get into it with Iron Man 3, weren't we? Yeah. But we didn't quite get to it. Because what we know is that the MCU movies were popular, but they were kind of only really hitting the same amount of money as Spider-Man did, you know, when we, when we talked about that in 2002, around the 600 million mark. And then the Avengers comes out, and that is just on a whole other level. Yep. A whole other level. People were going to see that movie that hadn't seen any other of the Marvel movies. That was their first one. They were just excited by the buzz and by the by the by the trailer. And and the thing about the Avengers is it, the only reason you, you you hit that one billion mark is if you make a movie that people go back to see again and again. Yeah. And that's I I, I studied I studied the history of, of cinema um, for my for my degree at university, and that's time immemorial. All your top performing films, Gone with the Wind, the reason it, it smashed box office records is because people would go back to see it again and again and again. And it's the same with anything. You look at Avatar, you look even at, at Bridget Jones's Diary, you know, with these big movies that, that become phenomenons, and, and Mamma Mia as well. People will go back, have <laughs> such a great time, that they'll go back with a different family member, with a different friend, with a different group of friends, and see it again and again. And so the Avengers achieved that, and we talked about how that was going to really change what it meant for for Phase Two. Out out of interest, uh, before we get onto the numbers, have you ever gone back to a film to, in the cinema to watch it again and again? Yeah, loads. Uh, Avengers, I did. I saw Avengers um, five, four, four, four or five times. I, Jurassic Park, I saw five times. Oh, legend! I, I've only gone back uh, to the cinema to watch two films. Uh, one was the Matrix Reloaded, or no, the, Ma- the third Matrix film, which we won't you go. You chose with. poorly, my friend. I did chose poorly, <laughs> but one was sort of a date. The other was never mind. Uh, but the one film I saw twice in the cinema and was tempted to see it a third time. Only time it ever happened uh, in Glorious Bastards. I loved oh, that okay. film. I yeah. really loved that film. Um, but yeah, anyway, we're going to crack on with numbers. So. Thor Dark World, the budget on this one was 170 million US dollars, but the total box office, 644 million dollars. And as we all know, rule of thumb, if a movie makes three times much as what it cost, it's, it's, it's guaranteed success. Not only that, also guaranteed a sequel. <laughs> Did it did it make more than the first Thor film though? That's the interesting thing. The interesting thing with that. So I'm just going to get bring it up on my massive. I, I have two computer screens in front of me, not using them correctly. Uh, the first Thor film, uh, it, the the uh, budget for that was 150 million, but that made back uh, 449 million. So so it clears a lot more then. It clear it yeah. clears yeah it clears a lot more. Slightly more. I don't know. But it's I, still, I, it's still, you know, so that four hundred mark, you know, that's that's down on what Spider Man did in two thousand and two. But it's also worth remembering that Spider Man is a, a by far a much more popular, famous character. So that kind of makes sense. Um, it, it takes you know an extra two hundred million or so, give or take. But 
what 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 I mean how does it compare to the movie before it Iron Man 3 well interesting interesting you say that Rob let me bring up Iron Man 3 how much it cost to make so Iron Man 3 was uh, stop going to sleep people Iron Man 3 cost 200 billion dollars to make but and this is really surprising we were really surprised to see this it made back 1.2 billion dollars what happened there that see to me that the budget at this stage of the this stage of the MCU the budget isn't really something I'm I'm too focusing on. I understand what you mean. It's got to make three times, and, I, and that doesn't yeah. make sense. Um, I don't imagine any of these are not going to. But the budgets don't don't go up a huge amount, really. I mean that one is is quite that's quite high, two hundred million. But that's the first film after the Avengers, and Iron Man is the the most popular character, so that. Closing in on over a billion is is really huge for the third. With sequels, you often talk about the the law of diminishing returns, and yet what we see there is that Iron Man three takes more than both its its previous films altogether. Um, so that's I mean, and that's what what we see um, with with Phase two is that the success, the unprecedented success of the Avengers means that all these movies go up, 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 up in what they take home. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, we looked the at popularity. The, pop- the popularity of them is, is great. We'll be, yeah. We're looking at this before the podcast. I mean, we won't reveal it, but there was some later that just made our jaws drop on how much they made back. But yeah, those are the numbers. It, it keeps growing all the way through, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, all the way through. Constant growth. So with the numbers taken care of, Will, what are your? I mean, try and be kind. What are your final thoughts on this movie? Because it will be someone's favorite film. So let's not let's not rag on it too bad. I won't rag on it too bad, but it's like it's it's weird that we go from let's see how it did uh, quantity wise, and now we go to quality wise. Okay, I I like parts of this movie. I liked what some of it tried to do. Uh, I just felt I just felt it was lacking. I I really wanted to enjoy it. I liked. Uh, I like the idea of portal fighting. I loved it taking place in London, especially in Greenwich, and then being very, uh, not sensitive, but very keeping in mind of what London is like in terms of people and everything. And I felt they did yeah. that really well. Uh, I liked uh, expanding into different universes, into nine realms. We see uh, we see different fights going on in different places. You get an idea of a bigger sense of uh, shared universe. But I, um, I, I, I wasn't too thrilled Sadly, I would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it, it 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 feels. It's. I mean, it made me made me realize that I was much less disappointed. We talked about Iron Man three being a bit of a disappointment, especially compared to one and two. This 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 really it, it was you know was a disappointment. Even though yeah. I I I love Curse, I love Malekith, <laughs> I I love some of the ideas of it. It it ultimately didn't feel. Very much like a Thor film, like a Thor story. It felt like you said, like a kind of an early two thousands sci-fi movie, yeah, but or, or sci-fi fantasy movie. But hey, we can't argue with um, with success. And six hundred million at the box office uh, is certainly a big success. What then will, if you can cast your mind back over this episode, would be your your favourite piece of Marvel trivia that we have uh, imbibed upon you during this little jaunt? Oh, it's really hard to say. I, I, I like the the idea of Kid Loki and the tragic death, but only due to my misunderstanding, I'm going to have to go with 
Thor sacrificing his eye in the heart of the sun because all I can imagine is him just chuck, <laughs> just chucking it at the sun. Have this! Have this, I don't need it anymore. <laughs> I don't need depth perception. Well, I mean, maybe, yeah. You Especially if you've only got one arm, you are going to need depth perception. I yeah. tell you. I tell you. <laughs> I tell you. Um, we, before we wrap things up, we... Um, have added a new section to the show after fans demanded it, uh, and that's um, Rob's reading list to let you know which um, stories you should be looking out for that we might have discussed and, and talked about in this episode. I really can't recommend Walt Simonson's run on Thor enough, and he's got a big omnibus out. Um, Walt Simonson, as in Simon, and then son at the end. Walt Simonson, it, it, his his Thor stories contain I mean, really great reading, lots of awesome Thor stories, including that time that Thor got turned into a frog, <laughs> um, which is a great little, a great little three issue, um, three issue story. Um, Loki turns Thor into a frog, thinking it will be the end of him, but the frog is still worthy and still gets to carry a tiny Mjolnir. Um, K- Kieran Gillen's stories are the ones that kind of deal with this idea of Loki becoming a different Loki. Mm. Um, they're really worth Kieran Gillen um, a really really interesting really fun great writer um, good runs on X-Men and stuff like that from my hometown um, born and raised right around where they're calling from where I am He's uh, he's got some great stuff he, he's got a collected Thor works called the uh, Thor by Kieran Gillen the ultimate collection um, Kieran Gillen I'm saying G-I-L-L-E-N uh, can't get enough of that. The the epic Loki story, which is really good, and that takes place in Kieran Gillen's Journey into Mystery series. You can get a, a, com- a collections of those different works. I again, I reread the ending of that a dozen times, and it made me go back and reread it right from the start because I realised there was a plan from the beginning all the way through. Um, that's wonderful stuff. I also I also think that um, tons of praise needs to be lauded on Jason Aaron. Who I think is still writing Thor right now. I might be wrong about that. He he's the most recent writer of, of Thor uh, to my memory. He had a real long term vision and really invested in the character. Really worked on reinvigorating, changing the status quo. Um, he's really worth checking out. He started with a a storyline. You can get it in trade paperback collection called Thor the God Butcher. It builds from there. He's also the guy that writes Goddess of Thunder, the series that has Jane as a title character. You might be tempted to skip right ahead and read that, but you know, and, and do by all means. But it's a, it's all part. Jane Foster becoming Thor is all part of a glorious ongoing story. It's all about Thor and is he worthy? And this epic lasts for a couple of years, and it it's really best to start with with the God Butcher, the God Butcher. So that's the uh, reading list, the God Butcher. Yeah. Uh, before we sign off. We're just going to uh, inform you about a brand new schedule that we're going to be taking up here at Marvel vs. Marvel. Yes. This is episode 11, and we have completed that in 11 weeks. We've been bashing out um, tons of episodes each and every week, recording loads for you, releasing loads for you. Um, there's there's over 15 hours worth of, of content now in the archive, and it's uh, it, we really need to take our foot off the pedal a little bit, especially because what we're releasing are, are sort of at least two-hour episodes. And we are seeing that it's taking people over a week, really, to all catch up with the listening. 
and and that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it, Will? If it, oh, it, perfect sense. Getting getting that time to, to to listen to a full two hour episode, whereas previously we were seeing, you know, when when the episodes were first coming out, everyone was downloading it in the first week. We're now seeing the same number taking people, you know, sort of ten days or more to download. So. We think if you need a more relaxed schedule, that would really help us as well to take a bit more of a relaxed schedule. So instead of an episode every week, we're going to be switching to a 14-day schedule. Still coming out on a Monday or a Sunday night, depending if you're in the States. And and that's where we're going to be positioning things. And we'll hope you'll uh, stick with us, give you more time to fully listen to it, give us more time to make sure that we're really giving the episode the attention it deserves and not rushing through anything, because we don't want to do that. So we want you to uh, join us for our next episode. Don't forget to head over to uh, patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel. And that's where you can find the blog all about this episode of Thor and you can find all the other blogs that we've compiled and released for every other episode that we've done so far. Um, well, for the last few, we haven't done the previous ones in the archive just yet. But there's brand new ep- uh, blogs that will be released there. Um, and will also give us a bit more time with the uh, relaxed schedule to do some more exclusive episodes. So head over to patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel for more exclusive awesome content. And don't forget to join us in two weeks' time now. Two weeks' time as we tackle Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Thanks for listening to Marvel vs. Marvel. Please subscribe, rate us, and hey, why not recommend us to a friend that loves Marvel and the movies? Don't forget to join us for the next episode while we'll be watching Captain America, the Winter Soldier.